Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live. Oliver here. I want to thank you for having me on your show. It was so awesome to be here with you and all your listeners. Cool. Okay, I think you're screw. Screw it. Cool. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that came out. Oh, all kinds of freaky. That's not what cool. I meant. Cool. Cool. You know, we need more shows like this because people need as much relationship help out here as they can get.
There is a live tweet chat that occurs during the show, and you can respond to some of the same questions that I'm asking over the air in most cases. Please search and use hashtag T2Q to read and respond to all show tweets. If you want to learn more about me, the show, or the show legends, then journey on over to TalkToQ.com. And if you can't listen to the entire show live, then you can find T2Q on iTunes and just pick up where you left off. Maintenance complete. T2Q radio show number 538. The novels of Crystal Hickerson. The Magician. The metaphysical action drama about the fight between good and evil which holds the fate of man in the balance. Street Corners, a tragic romantic crime saga of a man who has the hearts of two very different women in his hands. The choice he makes will hurt them both. Wanted, a ghostly story about a woman caught between the planes of life and death. It is left up to the reader to decide which reality was real. The Volunteer. The struggle of a man with his career and his life teetering on thin ice. Can love truly conquer all? And if you think this is the end for Crystal, you would be wrong. For as you listen to this, a new dynamic tale is on the way. Go to crystalhickerson.com to purchase all of her novels. Follow her on social media and listen to her on the radio at thecrystalshow.com. Enter the amazing world at crystalhickerson.com. Thanks to CrystalHickerson.com, my official sponsor. Show number 538, and we're going to discuss um, our veterans. Today is 11-11. It's um, Veterans Day, time that we should honor our military. Uh, Well, really, they should be honored every day, but this day is designated for them to get special attention. All across the country, there are restaurants offering free meals and things of that nature just to show their appreciation for those who fought for the freedoms in which we enjoy. Now, countless times we've heard stories of soldiers returning from overseas and being forgotten. Um, Despite the sacrifices to protect the freedoms of this country, they sometimes appear to be rarely appreciated. You know, we'll see um, whoever's in office, the president, go out to the tomb of the unknown soldiers um, whenever there's something tragic that happens overseas and they bring a soldier home. You'll see, you know, people in politics go out and grieve with the families and things of that nature, but... You know, you have to wonder, is that where the love ends? Um, There are a lot of people who come back from overseas. They don't have um, many job opportunities because maybe they're not able to get the care that they need to kind of reassimilate themselves back into society. And, um, you know, even, even with veterans in political office, you know, like John McCain, he's a veteran, uh, they're still 
not a lot being done to help returning soldiers get acclimated to being home again. All right. At least not that a lot of us can see. So what can we do to help? All right. What can we do to assist our veterans, the people who fight for us, uh, who go off at a very young age? Some of them come back. Um, Some of them don't, but the ones that do come back usually aren't the same because of what they get exposed to over there. What can we do for them to kind of help make things better? So that's what we're discussing tonight um, amongst a couple of other topics here on the Talk to Q radio show. No experts, just opinions. You want to chime in, 347-202-0215 is the number. To the phones I go, to the 732 area code, the Garden State of New Jersey, to welcome on the show, Enforcer, my man, Ray. Ray, what's going on, bro? Hey, Q, what's going on? How you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. It's just me and you to start off, so we'll go ahead and kick this thing off. Um, And let me ask you, I, I don't... I don't think you're a veteran, but are you a veteran, or do you have any military veterans, you know, in your family? Yeah, my dad's a veteran of the Air Force. Okay. You know, served in, I think, four four years in Germany. So, yeah, he's a he's a vet. All right. So I have um I have a couple of, of uncles who were in the military, and I have a couple of cousins who um, are um, Army and Army National Guard and everything. So as far as his experience in the military, does he ever share any of those stories with you as far as his travels or some of the things he may have experienced? Uh, Yeah, he shares stories all the time, you know, as far as, you know, because that's when my parents first got married. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff to, to share with that. And, you know, they just tell me about, you know, how it was over there, and, you know, when he got started and, you know, no speed limit in Germany or it wasn't then. So, <laughs> you know, it's about an interesting story. All right. Yeah, I heard about that Audubon. And so, all right, you know, a lot of times, Ray, we have people who join the military and they get shipped overseas for their tour of duty. And the tour of duty kind of varies as far as how long you, you're gone. Um, I have a cousin whose wife, well, he and his wife are both in the military, and she got shipped overseas, uh, I want to say it was for nine months. And, you know, she has a, um, a I think a seven-year-old at the time and, and a four-year-old at home. And so, I mean, that can be really taxing on the parent that you leave behind. But do you think the tour of duties overseas are too long for vets to serve? Or, I mean, what's, what do you think is a reasonable amount of time for you to ship someone overseas away from their family? I mean, it, it all depends to me. I'm all for being patriotic. I'm all for people serving their country. But at the same time, you know, if you do a tour of duty, and it's about uh, you know three three months, six months, a year. I mean, I think that's kind of what you signed up for because you know when when they say that your family comes first, does it really? You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. 
and, you know, if you're willing to leave your family for that long, I, I, you know, I had cousins and stuff in the military that um, just had to do that, and, you know, it, it, it requires a lot. So, you know, my hat goes off to any veteran that can leave their family to go serve the country and everything else. That's what makes being a veteran special. But I don't think that they are appreciated enough for what they do. But as far as as long as, I mean, it's up to the individual. You know, I really can't say whether it should be every two weeks or every, you know, month like offshore or something like that. But, you know, it's up to the individual. Okay, so um, as far as the government's responsibility, what government support support should be given to the families of the vets who are at home while their loved ones is are you know is at war, if any? I mean, yeah, I, I believe that their families should be taken care of as far as definitely health benefits, but also. You know, housing, clothing, food, uh, education. You know, somebody's over there. To me, you know, you shouldn't have to worry about those things. You shouldn't have to worry about where you're going to stay. You shouldn't have to worry about can your kids get through college. You shouldn't have to worry about if your kids are getting educated. So whether you want to choose to send them to a private school or a public school, I think all that should be taken care of because these guys put their life on the line, guys and ladies put their life on the line to help keep the country safe. And I think that's very important. And, you know, that's what we'll say, but our actions don't reflect that. So I think they should do everything they can for the families. Okay. All right. Let me go to... The phones again to the Motor City of Detroit and welcome on the author, the show hostess, and show legend, Miss Crystal Hickerson. What's up, Chris? Thank you. How are you? I am outstanding. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. That's good. What support do you think, if any, should the government provide families of those left behind while their loved one is at war? Well, um, I guess I can just reiterate what Ray just said. I mean, they should get, you know, plenty of um, food, housing. I know there's stuff that's already um, provided for them. But, um, you know, it should be enough where they can live without um, worry. Okay. What what about other than um, financial support, though? What about should they provide any type of counseling or... Do you think that's something that should be be done for the families of those left behind? Yeah, and those things are in place. Is um, it, um, you know, those those things are available, like on base. Um, they're available, you know, of course, from the VA. I mean, it's available to the family and many others that are not necessarily connected with the government, but are you know community run for veterans and their families. Okay. So, um, Ray, let me go back to you. When war vets return to the United States, should they already have jobs waiting for them? I mean, why or why not? Is that, is that feasible? I mean, um, 
I, I would say probably no. I think they can get that set up once they get here, but I think we should have financial means in place for them until they find a job of their choice. To me, if you're a veteran, if you walk into a job, if you're qualified, you should automatically get the job. It shouldn't be you're looking and you're filling out this and you're filling out that because, after all, they're vets, and that's what we say. Veterans are very special people, and they do a, a service for the country and everything else. If we're going to be about that talk, they, they shouldn't have to look for work. I mean, you could set a job up, but a guy may say, well, I'd rather work somewhere closer to home, and it would be too much confusion if you do it prior to them coming home. I think when they come home, if they walk into the place of their choice, if they're qualified, they should automatically get the job. Just how do you feel? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, once the guys get home, they, you know, they should have something available. It should be a little bit more structured. I mean, if they're coming home and they're not in the military anymore, um, I mean, there are some avenues set uh, up for them, but um, of course, it's not. It's not utilized by everybody. Um, there, you know, there are programs. You'd be kept your nose clean. You know, there are programs. Um, there's the GI Bill. There's, there's lots of things that are available. But um, whether I don't know if it should be automatic. I guess it all depends. Um, it depends on what they did in the military, you know? I mean, as far as, you know, were they honorably discharged or dishonorably, things like that, I mean, taken into consideration. But I think uh, nowadays there are more things that are in place. Again, like I said, it's not necessarily, may not be from the government, but from community situations that are set up. Okay. And, um, I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, I, I, I would like to see more done to try to help them get back into society. But where you start with that, and where the money comes from, um, of course, that's that's kind of difficult to figure out. Uh, I mean, I know there's plenty of money out there, but as far as, uh, you know, whose pocket it comes out of to go to the veterans is another thing. But as far as compensation goes, and I'll, I'll stick with you, Crystal, so we're talking compensation, should war veterans be paid like celebrities and athletes? And if, if you know, what do you think is a fair salary for someone who's actually served in war? Uh, well, I, I definitely think it's unfair with some of the, like, the government um, positions, like in Congress and things like that, where they're, they have a parachute kind of a deal for when they get out. Um, as far as income, um, you know, there is a pension that they get. There is money that they get depending, you know, they do have a retirement. But, um, yeah, it should be more. Um, you know, it should be, they should definitely have some sort of um, situation where they, they're doing really well. And I don't think... Just because you're in a war, because there are wartime veterans and uh, and there's veterans who saw combat, and then there are veterans who are not were not a part of were not serving during a war per se, and then they were serving during other you know peacetime. 
And I don't think that's really much different, actually, um, than, I mean, military is the military, quite mm-hmm. frankly. So, I mean, um, I- even if you're in peacetime, you still may have actually gone over and, and saw some, you know, combat. So, you know, that's a lot of times when people say wartime veterans, you know, you're leaving out, uh, you know, a lot of, of guys and, and women who did serve in, in a kind of a scuffle, as you might say, but it wasn't necessarily a war. So. All right. Ray, what do you think, man? I, I I broached the subject on um, Facebook and the T2Q group about um, if it's okay to, would it be okay to pay veterans like they pay athletes and celebrities? And I'll read you some of the comments. Uh, my man James chimed in, the crazy one from Baltimore, and said, hey, you put their lives on the line to protect the interests of our country and in return get re- get treated like shit when they return in some cases. Uh, but he says also, but I believe that that should be true for any public service job where people's lives are on the line, and also teachers. All right? My man Kevin, one of the young brothers in Buffalo, chimed in and said, no, because people don't pay to watch a war. The salaries of athletes is generated from TV contracts and ticket sales, so they are paid according to what we are willing to spend on a particular team or sport. Do soldiers deserve more money? Absolutely. But it is the distraction that gets the dollars, not the necessary. So those are a couple of comments on opposite ends there. Um, Where do you fall on this, Ray, as far as, what is a fair wage for veterans? I mean, should they be paid more like athletes and celebrities? No, I think that's completely ridiculous. I mean, I, I never like the comparison mm-hmm. of athletes and, and, and actors compared to teachers because anybody can teach schools. Not anybody, but, I mean, you got millions of people who can do that. Athlete, you have to go, you know, you got to be special to play sports. And millions of people pay to watch that. You know, it's kind of like I, I turn around and say, well, nobody going to pay to watch me box. And why would we watch me watch Mayweather? That's just ridiculous. No, he has talent. It's totally different. But the thing is, is I believe that they should have all benefits as far as whatever's required. That's health care, that's education, whether it be private school, whether it be college, and they should have shelter. I mean, homes where they can support their families. Man has four children, he needs five bedrooms. You know, that's where the difference ought to come in at. It shouldn't be so much monetary. They may get 30000 a year or fifty or whatever everybody can say is a good wage. But at the same time, the benefits are what makes a job what it is. You know what I mean? But I don't think it's um, something where you should get millions of dollars because there'll be people lined up around the corner wanting to be a soldier. You know what I mean? It, it A soldier is somebody who is, is brave and supposed to represent the country in the proper way. Now, if you put monetary, uh, put, put a lot of uh, incentive on it, well, $2 million or $1 million and everything like that, you would have people lined up around the corner trying to be a soldier. Mm-hmm. And you need to have people dedicated to the situation, not just somebody who wants to get into it for the money. 
the heart has to be in it to be a soldier because, you know, you put your heart and your soul on the line each day. Okay. All right. I can respect that. All right. Let me go back to the phone. To the 850 area code. The Emerald Coastline of Pensacola, Florida. So welcome on the man in black, the Buckster. What up, Buck? What up? What up? How's everybody doing this evening? Doing well, man. And now I'll go ahead and get your opinion before we move on to the next question. As far as what's a fair salary for someone who's been to war? Well, I mean, you got to think about it like this. I like what Ray said about, you know, not necessarily from a monetary standpoint where you, you know, provide, you know, the the health care, the benefits, um, make sure you have, you know, a roof over the head and things of that nature. I do like that. However, I do think they need to be paid more. Um, my dad was in the Army. He, he, he served and fought in Vietnam. And, I mean, they do get benefits as far as, you know, money, you know, every month and so forth. But I think they they should do more for the military, simply because I mean, when you go to when you fight in a war, you there are there are things you know the the um, there's a lot of things that they go through, you know they see people get shot, killed, uh, blown up, those kind of things. So you know the post-traumatic stress is an issue. So that medical benefits need to be covered. Um, but uh, not only just from that standpoint. Um, I think that the health care for the veterans needs to be improved too, because a lot of it is, you know, they don't they don't get the proper care, you know, especially after you know coming back from war. Some of them do, some of them don't, and that really that really depends on your branch. So I think that's something that needs to be elevated, so it's more of a level playing field as as far as the uh, benefits and for their you know for the health care once they come back from war. But as far as from, if you want to put a monetary value on what these guys should be making, if you go, if you go to war, you should. Be, I think they should get paid a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, if you go to war, so once you get back, that's what your salary is. So, and if you know if they had salaries like that, that would keep you know the people that are not in the military that are maybe level the playing field as far as that goes, as far as you know, a you know, middle class society. So if you're taking care of them, if you're taking care of the soldiers, then they're not taking so many of the jobs. All right, all right, interesting perspective. And so, how do you feel, Crystal? Back to you. How do you feel about a country that appears to allow its veterans to suffer in poverty? Um, well, of course, that's not good. I mean, um, I mean, it, it speaks to the last questions regarding how much they should be paid. I mean, yeah, it should be, you know, more money, more more um, solid benefits that they should get. And, um, you know, and that would um, grow their, you know, socioeconomic status from lower middle class to you know, to a more of a high middle class and up. But a lot of the, um, you have to remember a lot of the military, the guys come in and they go in for just one tour and then they're out. So, 
Um, so, you know, when you come in for one tour, you, you know, you just, you know, you're starting out at a very low rank. You know, maybe you'll reach, you know, Lieutenant Corporal or something like that, um, which is, you know, pretty low, like, you know, Navy, Marines. And then private, you know, that kind of thing, PFCs. So, you know, you um, you have to be in for a while, just like with anything. You have to, the way to, to get the the full balance of it, it's really to make it a career where you're able to go in and stay in for at least, you know, a substantial amount of time. And that's how mm-hmm. you start building, building the money and building your equity and benefits and things like that. So, but there's more of the veterans who are out who did not serve for very long or, you know, or they went in and, um, came out um, just after one tour overseas, which maybe they didn't, you know, of course, want to stay overseas, which I don't blame them. But, you know, so, you know, as far as, you know, the fact of them being in a lower economic status, I mean, a lot of it, some of it is because they didn't stay in very long. Some of it, you know, is, of course, that the government doesn't pay a lot. Um, But you do also have to take advantage of a lot of the benefits that are, are there while you're in you know, um, a lot of the educational funding that's there. Mm -hmm. Um, But not everybody does that, so, you know, there you are. This is true. This is true. And, uh, Ray, I'm going to throw you the same question in just a minute and go back to the phones, but I want to take a quick break to um, recognize a few sponsors, Anytime Voice, uh, TheTrying.net and com. We offer finest voiceover services in all the major and minor languages of the world in the fastest turnaround time. Our rates are the cheapest and accuracy 100% coupled with 24-7 customer care support. Professional voiceover services. Quick turnaround with best quality 24-7 services available. Multilingual voiceover. 100% satisfaction guarantee. 24-7 free customer support number. one 220 9955 Cincinnati native and current Boston residence, Chris Katzel, has released his new album entitled Electrophetamine. It is available on iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and www.thetrying.net. Now, Electrophetamine is a collection of psychedelic and progressive electronic tracks guaranteed to get your heart pumping and imagination running wild. Influenced by Nine Inch Nails, Mindless Self-Indulgence, and a huge concoction of artists from various genres, Electrophetamine is guaranteed to pique your interest and then to fill a void you didn't even know that you had. 18 different tracks, 18 different journeys. Please visit www.thetrying.net for more information. That's www. The T H E trying T R Y I N G dot net for more information and give Chris a listen. 
then try or you'll be real. That's the better deal with them Hebrew roots. You probably don't have a clue, but it's true. It's what they do. Keeping your hair healthy with care. Watching other people stare. That's the glare. Getting rid of that dandruff. When your hair gets rough, they know when it's tough. I ain't getting the bluff. They got it staying enough. Is enough with 12 different type of try oils. So quit acting like you ain't got no type. Follow the Hebrews right, cause the Hebrews nice tonight. Uh. My thanks to AnytimeVoice.com, TheTrain.net, and MyHebrewRoots.net. 347-202-0215 is the number on the Talk to Q radio show. want to welcome in from the 865 area code, the volunteer state of Tennessee. Daddy Rich, what's going on, man? Man, drinking and smoking, baby. We're back at it. We're about to do that thing, baby. We're about to do it. All right, all right. That's what's up. That's what's up. Glad to have you on, man. And um, I'll get back to you in just a moment. Ray, um, what do you feel about the United States and how they appear to let the veterans suffer in, in poverty? Well, you know, I just think that, you know, it's wrong. You know, similar to the 9-11 victims, you know, a lot of medical coverage is not covered for the, the, the people that served, whether it be the firefighters, the police, the people that were the first on the scene, you know, it, it's just nothing new. It shouldn't be that way, but it is that way. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a lot of talk, and it sounds good. Like, you know, you got to respect the veterans, and, you know, everything is all about perception. You know, just like a lot of other things going in this country, we want to Stop domestic violence. Okay, well, let's put laws on the books that if anybody hits anybody, they go to jail. So, you know, we want to make sure child support is paid. Okay, if the female ain't paying child support, we want to make sure that they go to jail. So it's a lot of things that we say but we don't really mean. And I think that with the veterans, they deserve better. We need to make sure that we have something in place for the people that keep our country safe. Okay. And, Daddy Rich, how do you feel about it, man? Um, you know, there are a lot of people who are upset with our politicians because we have homeless veterans and things of that nature. Um, is it really their fault? Um, you know, I, I mean, how much blame do we put on the country as far as how our vets are, are perceived to be treated? Ray said it perfect. It's perception. And this this country's government uses that perception to make people think that they really care. They don't care, you know, uh, but I think that they should help a little bit, but it's also about the individual. But what these guys have gone through, uh, you know, let's say that they actually did have action, the ones that had action, action, you know, those guys should have got paid like these NBA and NFL players when they were in action. That's Their salaries should increase to that volume uh, according to their, their skill level, but it should be high. The, the lowest guy should be like a guy on the bench making two to 300 grand, you know, but then the big guys that are really tactical should make the millions of dollars. And I think that that's the way it should be. We glorify these athletes. 
with these guys that have gone over to keep us safe to where we can drink and smoke and do whatever the hell we want to do every day. They made peanuts. Uh, my grandfather, he was both of my grandfathers, uh, you know, went, one of them I used because he he had problems with it because he was in Vietnam and he, he you know, nightmares. It was just, it was a problem for him. He mm-hmm. never got old and he turned to drinking and initially it killed him. And, you know, I use that as, as a example because that's a good example of what this country did to these guys. They knew that they would be psychologically screwed. If you go kill someone, it's going to, it's going to mess with you. I mean, if you're normal, you know, uh, you know, I'm a normal cat. If I was to go kill a person, you know, it would it would mess with me. I would need somebody to help, you know, some professional that understood this, someone that may have been gone through this. And I think America is like Ray said, man, it's a sad situation and it's it's just perception, it's bullshit. Just put it that way, it's bullshit. All this stuff you see helped the veterans. The veterans helped us. They don't give a damn. They really don't. But they really should, and we all should, because these guys really went over and did some things for us, man. I mean, they, these guys was like 007, all all of them, over there <laughs> killing people, man, to keep us safe, like I said, to do whatever the hell we want to do to, for these cats to make millions of dollars on TV. For me and you to talk on this, this, this uh, radio, you know, it's, it's deep. But, you know, our government looks at it as if it ain't shit. And they're the ones that put them there. And it's just crazy. But, you know, you just, we have to try to help. But there's nothing we can do. You know, it, Ray, great, man, perception. All right. And perception is definitely part of it. I mean, we just, we just found out um, just recently, you know, about how sporting events were charging the Pentagon for putting on some of these um, elaborate, you know, national anthem pregame, you know, spectaculars, you know. I mean, stuff we thought they were doing to honor the country, they were doing and, you know, being reimbursed for it, you know. So uh, perception is definitely it. Back to the phone lines I go to bring on a man in the 910. But he's making his way out of the Lone Star State of Texas, where he plays a doctor on the radio. Also a military veteran. Welcome on, Dr. Willis. What's happening, man? Hey, what's up, Q? What's going on, family? Everybody's on tonight. What's going on? What's up, man? Happy Veterans Day to you. And thank you, uh, thank you, thank you. I'll let you piggyback on that question before I ask you another one as far as um, how do you feel about the about a country that appears to let their veterans suffer in poverty? All right. Uh, I just had I happened to uh, log in at the end of uh, my man's speech there, so I didn't even get the question. What was the question? No, oh, that was it. Uh, how do you feel about a country that appears to let um, their veterans, you know, suffer in poverty? I mean, that's the perception that a lot of people have. That we see homeless vets, we see vets that can't get medical attention that they need, and I mean, so I mean, is that the fault of the government? Is that just a perception that's not really the case. I mean, how do you feel that as of that? Well, it's a, it's a little bit of uh, both. Uh, I think that a little bit of it is the case, 
but at the same time, a lot of it is not on the fault of the government itself. Um, you know, I think right now we got about uh, what's the number? I, you know, I might be wrong in this number. I think it's about two or three million veterans out there. Two or three million now. So out of that, you probably have about, on average, maybe you know, fifty, sixty thousand people trying to process claims and stuff like that, right? So you know, we're asking these folks to try to uh, you know get two million people through the pipeline. The ones, anyone, the ones that come forward anyway, you know, try to get them through this pipeline in a certain amount of days, a certain amount of hours, or whatever the case may be. And uh, you know, it's not happening fast enough to the liking of the public. Which, when they start crying about it, then you know you're going to have some veterans who are going to you know take that and run with it, and then they start crying about it. And so we're not really being fair to the people that got to sit there and try to process um, um, these these millions of claims. Now the thing is, is that they have to get this stuff right too. It's not like they can just a veteran can just walk up and say, "Hey, you know, I'm a veteran. I get these services." They got to they, they got to be verified. It's got to you know, there's a lot of things that got to happen before that veteran is allowed to go through the system. So that way we we're you know I say we but the government is not abusing uh, or wasting taxpayer dollars. And see, so folks don't you know they don't realize that. And so the the government and people that that work in those uh those that capacity, they can't come out and, and say what they really feel because then it look like they are whining and they don't want to do their jobs and stuff like that. So they have to bite it, suck it up. They take this abuse from the outside. But they go along, they chug along, and do their jobs each day, and it's getting so stressful. That's why you're seeing you're seeing uh, reports on the news about you know these imaginary wait lists and things like that because you know we're putting stress on these folks, you know, yeah. uh, you know, trying to trying to get you know x amount of people through in x amount of time, and it just ain't possible. It ain't feasible. So that's that's part of the problem. Now the other problem is, um, you know, the uh, the perception issue of it. Um, well, actually, the our side of it, the the veteran side of it, is that a lot of times, you know, you get the ones that they know that the that these benefits are available, but they don't want to do the legwork to get these benefits. So, you know, there's you know there's plenty of help out there for our veterans that are on the streets. They just they they may not know it because, excuse me, they um they may not have access to a TV, radio, or the news or anything like that. But that's why we have a lot of people in place, especially at the VA. Where uh, you know these people are trying to go out there and reach reach these folks can't get everybody if we don't know where they are or where they exist. You know, a lot of a lot of veterans are homeless. You know, and and, w- and that's a huge effort right now in a way to uh, eradicate that. Now, I do want to make a point to what my man was saying at the end. While from what I caught, uh, what Data Rich was saying, I think that it's it's a uh, I think that it's wrong to to compare athletes to veterans. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, while I, while I do appreciate the the, the the notion and the nod to the veterans, I I'm think sure you that, that is. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you that? wouldn't turn down that chick. Oh no 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 no, I wouldn't turn it down. But what but what I mean though is that, yeah, uh, athletes get millions of dollars, but that has nothing to do with the government. You know, taxpayers. You know, when they go sit in those seats at the stadium and stuff, guess what? They're paying those uh, those athletes. So that's nothing that the government control, controls or that's not the fault of the government. Uh, I don't think that, you know, military should get, you know, millions of dollars or whatever the case may be, um, uh, you know, well, for certain jobs anyway, I'll put it like that. But there are some jobs I do agree that, you know what I'm saying, if you're in a certain field, you're doing a certain level of work, 
you should get paid almost um, equivalent to your civilian counterpart. Because what happened is we can do a job, we'll get paid, let's say, roughly thirty, forty thousand dollars a year. But if I was to go back into the military and come in as a civilian, working as a contractor, I'm, for the same job, I'm getting a hundred and some thousand dollars a year or two hundred and some thousand dollars a year. And I think that ain't fair to the veteran. That ain't fair to the military, uh, the service member. So I do think that they need to adjust that on that level. If you're going to hire somebody and pay them that much, why not pay the people you already got doing that who are experts at that and who's been doing it for a while? So I do agree with that, end, But I don't think it's necessarily correct or right to compare uh, what an athlete get paid to what somebody in the military get paid. I just did that because it's battle, and it's both, both things are battles. It's war. And like on the football field, they're trying to kill. And when you're playing ball at that level, it's you're trying to do what you got to do to make it. And it's when bullets are flying at you, I think mm-hmm. that's worse. And I think that you should get paid millions of dollars risking your life other than somebody going out here and hitting another man. To me, but the government don't force the government don't force a, a person to go be an athlete or get out there on the field. But you know what? A service member they got to go when the call when the time comes, so they got to go. So I see what you're saying on that. But nobody, you know what I'm saying, but uh, the government has nothing to do with an athlete. Nobody's forcing the taxpayer to go pay, you know, X amount of dollars for a ticket so these guys can get billions of dollars. People are taking it upon themselves to get insane. Then we should then. We should charge the ticket no. for them. And, no. and because we can't say that, that they're protecting us. We're not doing it. We're not protecting ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're hiring somebody else to do that. It's comparing apples to oranges, though. You can't well, compare an athlete to uh, somebody in the military. You know what I mean? That's, now, if you want to do a better a better comparison, comparison would be a judge. Okay? Why are we paying judges no big bucks to sit on their ass on the bench? You know when you know saying, and that that comes out of taxpayer money and stuff like that. So you know I mean, that would probably be a better comparison than an athlete. No, I would. Think. But 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 I say this. So, you know, because, like I say, I, I totally disagree with that. I mean, I, I respect the veterans and everything else, but you can't pay a veteran like an athlete because he does not generate that kind of money. If if paying being in the military paid two million dollars a year, we all would be lined up. At forty something years old, we all be lined up. You see, it's all uh, yeah, it, it makes no difference. Biological warfare yeah. done on some of these yeah. cats coming from overseas yeah. in Iraq yeah. have problems oh, because of how they're talking about paychecks. That that's the problem with the medical profession now. It's a, you know these guys. Yeah, you have an important job, but you can't get ridiculous with it. You know. And say, well, because you could do this, you could do that. I should be paid like Mayweather or Bron James or this guy, that guy. He generates that money. All right, you tell me how we gonna divide it up. We got a million soldiers to pay. We gonna pay all them guys one hundred and eighty thousand, two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. We can't do that. But we can do. Let me say Schooling and all we can't pay. We can't we can't pay that much. But here's the problem though, is that a lot of that money that's funded to the DOD, to you know, Department of Defense, that money you got hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars going to these programs, 
you know what I'm saying, that, that don't come out to amount to a hill of beans, you know what I'm saying? Like I'll give you an example. We we I think the uh, the the Department of Defense spent about X minus hundred millions of dollars on this, 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 this super plane they was trying to get. And they end up scrapping the damn program. The plane, I mean, not even a test flight came out of the thing. But oh. you know what? And that's all because they're going back trying to, you know, feed their their, their cronies, you know, the, who who own these companies that build for the military. So they got enough money to pay the soldiers that much. But guess what? They yeah. don't. So what they do is they use us oh. to get this funding for these companies. Yeah. But it don't go down to the soldier. It don't trickle down to the soldier. But I do agree that we shouldn't get paid, you know, the what it happily get paid. I'm, I'm all like I, like I said what? earlier, I'm all for making sure your kids get a free college education, make sure yeah. your housing is paid for, make sure yeah. you got food, make sure you got plenty of health care. But to come in and say, well, we're going to do X, Y, and Z and pay everybody millions of dollars, everybody, every able-bodied man in the country would be lined up to go to the military. You Why you have them. You screen them by their abilities, just like you do in the NBA and the NFL. Only the best should make it. Because that's no, what you want protecting you, right? The system, the system is all right now. They just need to take better care of the people that they do have that is qualified. The system is, is all right. Only thing we need is the college education paid for, better health care, housing, uh, make sure that everybody has a nice home that's paid for or whatever the case may be to make everybody comfortable and get them something to do once they come out of the military and get back into society. But all of this, we're going to stretch it out and, you know, paying guys millions upon millions of dollars. Oh, I'll I pick up a gun too. You know, if that if that's the case. Like all this stuff people talking about paying a teacher. What can a teacher do with a book in her hand? You can't if you educate it. Screen them. You screen them. You know what I mean? Yes. Only the best. All right. It was interesting. I could just kind of listening to what was going on and um or whatever. I kind of liked a little back and forth there. I um I don't I don't know. I just you know as far as how you compensate them. I think they are in a lot of ways definitely educating their kids, providing housing um, to start. That would definitely help uh, when it comes to things like that. Or, or maybe even try to um, offer them opportunities for entrepreneurship. I mean, when you think about it, if a, a group of people from a foreign country can come over here and open up a laundromat, a hotel, or whatever, then why can't you have um, – um, a platoon or a battalion or whatever come back and give them some assistance so they can open their own business and run their own things, you know. I mean, I just think there are many creative ways they can help, you know, it, it, rather than just saying, okay, you know, we're going to pay you like Dez Bryant, uh, which I don't know. But you know said, those programs are available, though, Q. Uh, we, we do their their um there are business, small business loans for um, veterans who are trying to uh, become entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, they still have to go through the process, you know, like you would with the civilian counterpart and all that. But uh, I think it's it's a little easier, though, to get those than it would be to go to a uh, civilian counterpart. Um, you know, even though they won't pay for your home and that like that once you get out, but they would, they do uh, home loan guarantees, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of programs in place to take care of the veteran. It's just a matter of the veteran wanting to do 
uh, you know, cross a lot of the red tape and things like that to take advantage of the, uh, take advantage of those uh, benefits. Now, I do think that there could be more. I think that they could um, be better that they could do because, like, every time something come up when they're trying to, you know, adjust the budget or something like that, if it ain't the school, they're looking at veterans, you know what I'm saying? They're looking at veterans' benefits to try to tackle or take out or whatever the case may be. So, you know, I think that they shouldn't uh, they shouldn't touch that. I think they shouldn't uh, they should they should uh, treat veterans' benefits just like they treat, you know, uh, welfare. You know, it's, it's off limits to, you know, things like child support and stuff like that. And, don't, and before anybody get upset, <laughs> I am not advocating don't take care of your children. <laughs> but my thing, is, you know, my thing is if she wasn't out there on that post with you or if he wasn't out there on that post with you, you know, dodging bullets or sleeping out in the cold at night and stuff like that, that should not be up for grabs. That's just my opinion on that. You know, if you got if you owe child support, you know, that handle that out of your regular work. Uh, if if you're working or whatever the case may be, take care of your kids. I will say that take care of your kids, but I don't think that um, that benefits should be subject to any type of you know wage garnishment or anything like that, unless it's something that just you know ridiculously that the fault of the veteran himself or herself. But uh, but there are problems out there. There are problems out there. It's just we got to get the, we got to do a better job of getting the word out to our veterans, especially the homeless ones, the ones that you know probably can't read or that's out there on the streets cold at night. And like I said, we got people um, trying to do that, and, and, and the VA especially, you know, trying to get out and, and get those people. So, you know, it's, it's a cumbersome problem uh, situation, initiative. but they're trying. Initiative is the key. Okay. This a stuff, lot of this stuff. It's nice to know that, that they have those programs out there because I wasn't aware, and it definitely needs to be more uh, – um, it needs to be publicized more, not just for – homeless people, but for, you know, um, not just for the veterans, but for every for their family members as well, because, uh, you know, they can assist or, or maybe we can feel better as a country knowing that there are opportunities there, that people can donate their, their money or their time towards to help some of the veterans um, get back in place in society, because most of them, you know, aren't looking for, you know, this this a fat paycheck, a lot of them are just looking just for an opportunity to be just like everybody else. And um, let's see, Dre from Tampa chimed in on Facebook, and he's like, personally, I don't need six figures, especially since I volunteered twice. For the folks that were drafted, they need something. So, you know, he, he did, you know, I think four years in Germany, and um, I know he did some time in Korea too. So, you know, he just he doesn't want – six figures, he just wants his opportunity to get back in society and be like everyone else. And, I mean, a lot of times that's the mindset of a soldier. They're just doing their job. You know, they're not doing it just because they're trying to get over or something, you know, for the most part. But, uh, Crystal, let me get back to you and ask you this question. Should the age to attend, to join the military, be older to allow for a more mature decision-making and joining. So, in other words, instead of it being 18, should it be older so people can be a little bit more mature when making the decision that they want to be a part of it? Well, I don't know how old that would actually be. I mean, you can bump it up to 21 like a, um, you know, like, you know, you're able to drink and do different things. At that time, I always believe that if you're 18 years old and you're in the military, you should be able to drink at 18. So, but um, I think that 
some of some of the, the the issues and problems, of course, with um, the age is how recruitment is done. And I know they're they're basically salesmen. They're trying to you know meet a quota, but sometimes they they um, lie to the boys coming in about what is actually going to take place. And then, of course, some of it also has to go back on to uh, the person going into the military to to figure out, you know, what they really want to do and where you would actually do this that you want to do. You work on a tank. It's not going to be inside of an office. It's going to be out in the field. So, you know, those kind of things are common sense. But as far as age, I think that, um, I don't know, you have to look at, you're trying to look at a time, you know, you're trying to look at you're 18 years old, you are, um, you know, you are in your, you know, basically your prime of life, you're young and you're ready, you know, to, able to get out there in the buck and also that you're still in a certain uh, mindset where we can teach you and form you to do what we need for you to do and to, to be a soldier than, you know, possibly someone who, is older, who may have, you know, different thought processes and not able to follow orders and direction mm-hmm. um, because they've they've been out and about and doing things. But if you're young, you're more you're still in that um, mindset of school and you're able to be still be molded. So I think that's one of the reasons why they they look at it at 18. Um, and you're strong, you're stronger, you know, for one thing. Then, so you try to get them in young because, you know, you get them in young and you, you teach them and the, by the time they become 21 or so and, and move and up, then, you know, they get into, the, you know, maybe, maybe by then they are at least, you know, becoming a sergeant or, or at least, you know, trying to be a sergeant or they can go back to school and maybe be an officer. So you have to start young. Um, so I just think that... Um, the only thing about the age 18, I just say you should be able to drink to be in the military at 18. Right. That's my only Okay. Thing. All right. Dre says that um, at 18, you're still a tad immature, he says, from experience, in parentheses. Maybe raise it to the legal drinking age. Buck, what do you think, man? Um, you know, 50 years ago when they were drafting kids at 18 years old, you know, Kids were probably a little more mature back then because you had to kind of grow up fast back in the day. I mean, you had people in their early 20s who were leading civil rights, so um, things were a lot different. Do you think the age should be a little higher now and maybe we're a little more immature? No, I think the age should stay 18, but I'm going to put a different spin on it. I think the the age, the, the, uh, the, the elderly age, you know, as far as, you know, where the cutoff line is, instead of it being in 30, they need to cut it off maybe at 42. Um, you can get more mature people that, that, you know, that, you know, could run, you know, certain branches of the military that are, you know, longer, you know, as far as, you know, having the experience that they have. So maybe instead of cutting it off at 36, it should be 42, you know, being able to join. So you know, I think, that's where they need to make the change, not necessarily changing it at 18. Okay. Ray, what's your take? Um, I mean, um, with the, with the age women, I mean, I guess if, if you've grown, then, you know, I guess it, it, it should be all right. And if you're immature, 
one police in the world that will straighten you out is the military. <laughs> you're not going. You're not going to get the best of the military. You know, see, in, in in society, you know, everything is leaned on the law. Well, you know, I talk all the shit to a cop or something I want because if we do this, then it's against the law. Or you at work, you know, if somebody say the wrong thing to you, it's against the law. And you know, as long as we get kids at school, we won't get out of line because if you grab the arm or something, it's against the law. So you pull that shit in the military, they'll put you in the damn hole somewhere and don't give a shit if you die over there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, ain't nobody going to do nothing about it. Yeah. Not, well, you know, you can't treat them like this and you, you got to feed them this. You got to give them nutrition. You, they talk that shit in the jailhouse. You pull that in the military. You know, they don't care. Nobody cares if you die over there. And, you know, I think, really, they should put more military guys in the United States to clean up some of these communities. And that's one thing that I would say Obama should have done. You know, some of these spots, hey, we bring in the military. You get straight or else we coming. And when we coming, I don't care if it's 2 million people in the city, there ain't but 1,000 left. All that shit will be ceased. And I don't think we do enough of that on our own soil. You know, you shouldn't have to come outside your house ducking and looking and you can't walk down the street and all that. Okay, y'all got weapons. We're going to show you we got the biggest and baddest in the world. And anybody come out here speaking, they going to get it to us. <laughs> yeah, anybody come out here speaking, they going to get it to you. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Bobby, Bobby, how old were you when you joined the military? Man, I left high school at age 17, and I was on my way. I had to get my mom's permission, of course, but, um, you know, I I got out as soon as I could. I, I just felt like Mississippi was too small for me. I, you know, it couldn't hold me, so <laughs> I had to go. And uh, Were you mature enough you know, in, in your mind? Oh, yeah, of course. But uh, it, it's like Ray said. Now, I can't speak for any other branch, but I tell you right now, you went to the Marine Corps. You'll get your ass snatched up if you think you're big and bad. So, I mean, I, I've seen it. I've seen guys come in, bodybuilders, you know, um, you know, triathletes and everything, man, thinking that they, you know, saying they were, you know, hot shit. And and I'm telling you, I done seen some drill instructors freaking put them down quick. And, uh, and they learned that day. And we did, too, by just watching. So, you know, we knew where, you know, uh, at, at that moment, hey, you straighten up and you, you do what the hell you were told. But uh, as far as the, the age limit, I think 18 is perfect. Um, I think I, you know, because my thing is, there are job, there are plenty of jobs in the military that you can do that don't require you to go get shot at, and, you know, and stuff like that. Those jobs are in support of those guys. So if if we could, cha- if we need to change anything or, or or something like that, you know, we could probably just make you know, okay, first year or two, you know, you're sitting in a pogue job, and pogue is just people other than grunts. So you're sitting in a pogue job. Uh, you know, doing some kind of support and, you know, learning the system, learning the military, and then, you know, after seeing how it's like, then you should, you know, if, if like I said, if a change got to happen, then you can uh, try to apply for, like, you know, uh, the fighting forces and things like that, if we want to do something like that. But I think it's, I think it's fine the way it is right now. Uh, I'm kind of in agreement with the um, – 
with the notion that, you know, if you're 18 year old enough to go out there and get shot at, you should be able to drink. However, though, I think that that should be tweaked also. I think that there should be a limit to, you know, if you're still under the legal drinking age, there should be a limit of uh, amount of drinks. And the only way you can drink is if you go out with a uh, someone who, who's of the legal age and they're responsible for you uh, in the military. I think that because, you know, most, most times when we go places, we have to have a, a liberty buddy with us anyway. So we pair it up with someone who's um, – who's more mature, probably maybe even a non-drinker, you know what I'm saying? There are plenty of people who don't drink. So you pair them up with somebody like that, you know, make sure they, they don't exceed their limits, and and we can do it that way. But, um, you know, I'm not fully agreeing with having them just being, you know, willy-nilly with it, you know, because 18-year-olds, you know, they, they get crazy, they get drunk. We see it out on the streets all the time, you know, how stupid they get when they get drunk and they can't hold their liquor and stuff like that. So, uh, like I say, you know, military would have a lot of, different things that you know that they can do that the civilians don't have that will straighten that out but i'm okay with them allowing 18 year olds to drink as long as there's a limit and they're, they're with someone who's uh who can uh watch them and be responsible um as far as the civilian part i think uh right now our national guard our national guard is the military for the uh the u.s and what i mean by that let me let me make that clear the other military is for international issues the National Guard is for international issues. So, I mean, like, uh, intra-national issues. So their 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 base, um, their primary focus is here in the United States. So I agree with Ray. When there's an issue where you can't control the population of a certain city, state, whatever the case may be, then you, that's what the Guard is for. They're, they're the military for the United States. You know, whereas the other military, the Navy, the Army, and all of them, they're the United States military, but they go out and they take care of United States interests abroad. If if that you know if that makes any sense to you guys, so uh, so that's what the National Guard is for. So I don't I, I don't understand why they haven't sent them into places like Chicago and all of the spots that need them. But you know, hey, you know I know the, I understand the perception and stuff, and people are trying to get elected, so you know they you know right. they they do what they got to do. But um, but that you know, like I said, there's a there's a thing in place for that too. It's just whether or not it's being utilized. So that's that. A thousand left in the city, baby. Let's go in there and cut them down. Huh? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, you can't do this. You declare war on your own people and stuff. You gonna get to. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Well, last question on the topic, and then uh, I mean, this is for anyone who wants to answer. Um, in your opinion, just you know, what more can be done to help war veterans ease back into our society and be successful? I think, in my opinion, I think they need to, you know, have you know jobs set up for these guys when they come back of some sort, even if it's you know in maybe you know since they've already made military pretty much, you know, their livelihood, you know, or their career, you know, they could do other things, you know, if they're, you know, finishing on the battlefield, then they can, you know, they can do other things in the military, um, you know, and continue their career, you know, after the battlefield. Um, for those that have gotten injured in the, you know, injured in the, the line of duty, I think they should provide um, some sort of, you know, training for those guys, 
and girls that are, you know, injured, you know, maybe they can, you know, start working with other um, soldiers that are in that same, you know, same, you know, that happen to be in the same wave, you know, maybe help start designing um, prosthesis and things in case they lose limbs and things of that nature, you know, kind of keep them, you know, keep them career oriented, so to speak, but, you know, give them some sense sense of worth by, you know, doing something, you know, even still give them a chance to be in the military, but, you know, do different things in the military. Um, be able to, you know, train, you know, maybe study for different types of things. Like your military guys should be the ones that should be in, you know, the you know, Secret Service and those type of jobs. And they should be getting those kind of jobs, you know, after you leave the military versus, you know, maybe, you know, maybe somebody else. So, you know, I think if they, you know, start programs such as that to kind of help help them, that'll help them ease back into society and it will give them a higher pay grade as well. You know, just another option since, you know, we were talking about, you know, maybe they should have higher pay or be paid like athletes or something like that. They should be uh-huh. trained, they should be trained, you know, to get the higher end, you know, some of the higher end jobs. You know, so therefore, you know, they don't have to, you know, they won't be stuck, you know, maybe working at a lower-end job. So, you know, those are just, you know, these are things that, you know, really kind of need to think about. And also, like I said, too, I think they need to do something about the, the veterans' um, health care because, I mean, these guys, I mean, a lot of, I don't know what some, you know, some of the other ones go through. I'm just speaking on what my dad has to go through because he has diabetes. The thing is, is that sometimes they don't, they just, you know, you've got a lot of people that, depending on what part of the country you're in, you got a lot of people that are training to be a doctor working in these hospitals for the veterans. And I don't think that's right. I think they should have qualified, not saying that the ones that are in there are not qualified, but some of these guys are rookies, and, you know, you don't want rookies working on people that have got major issues. You want qualified doctors working in in their own, you know, you want the best working for our veterans, just like you would, just like you would, you know, for you know regular civilians. So I think the the veterans hospitals and things in that, that nature, they're usually the oldest hospitals, also, versus what you see, you know, for in most cities, you know. So I think that these things need to, you know, that's something that they also need to look at and try to change as well. Okay. Uh, I want to. I want to say. Um, uh, you know, the, uh, the the VA hospitals around the nation, they're doing the best they can to attract uh, top talent, but it's very hard. You got you know, because you know, someone coming out of medical school, they can look at coming in making you know maybe eighty to one hundred something thousand dollars a year versus going out in the private sector making you know well over two three hundred thousand a year. So what the um, the VA they've been trying to do is like give them incentives such as hey we'll pay off your school as long as you stay x amount of number of years or you know we'll give you you know x amount of dollars to sign on I mean they're doing what they can to try to attract top talent but like I said you know that top talent understand that they can make more money <laughs> you know elsewhere so it's 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 definitely an ongoing battle on that front um, I think the problem can start. Uh, where a fix for the problem can start right with the military itself. Uh, I know for personal, from personal experience that when you get out of the military, they give you courses. They give you classes about your benefits and things like that, right? But uh, 
I don't think they give you the total uh, uh, or the most accurate information that you should uh, you, you get. And I give I I, I use myself as, as an example. When I got out, they hadn't finished working on my uh, dental. They they didn't finish uh, you know working on my teeth and stuff. So uh, they was like, okay, well. You know, you you'll be able to get it done once you get out. Blah blah. You have X amount of days to um to get it done if you can, and blah blah blah. Well, I got out and was trying to set these appointments. wasn't able to set the appointments. Time went on trying to get a job, going to school, and all this other stuff. I forgot about it then. After I you know um, got back into the uh, federal sector, tried to get take advantage of that. Guess what? They didn't tell me that. Okay, well after 90 days, you know you don't get the dental done. That's it. That's completely, you can't, you know, you just forfeited that, that opportunity. They didn't make uh-huh. it seem like, say, hey, you know, you get it done when you get out. <laughs> so so a lot of that stuff can start with the military itself, all right, giving uh, these these veterans or people that are getting out the best, the most accurate, uh, and the most up-to-date information. Why they don't do that, I don't know. I don't know if they're, you know, they just put somebody in the spotlight, they'll let them know the night before, hey, you're going to be teaching this class tomorrow or what. But for whatever reason, Information is not trickling down the way it's supposed to, and uh, and I know that from firsthand experience. Uh, two, we need uh, each each one reach one. Everybody, you know, if you see someone who's homeless or you know, someone who's doing bad, ain't even got to be homeless. You know what I'm saying? Talk to them. Hey, are you a veteran? Boom, boom, boom. If they are, take them down to the nearest VA yourself or to uh, or to a um, to an organization that support veterans. Uh, you know, take them there. Uh, at least get pointed in the right direction to help those people. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, uh, there was one point you said I, I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, what was that? It was um, it's eluding me right now. But but anyway, uh, when you see a veteran, you know, what I'm saying get get out there and and help that person out. Take them down to the nearest VA hospital, wherever you can, or a regional office. It doesn't matter. Whatever's close to you, and and uh, and let them talk to somebody. Uh, also, oh, this is what I want to talk about: the um, benefits. All right, people, people think that you know that anything and everything that's wrong with them can get you know veterans. Veterans don't get all their stuff taken care of. You got to understand this. They have they what they what happens is you get service connected. That means that any of your issues that happen while you were in the military is what get taken care of free. All right. Anything after that, you have to, like, have insurance or, you know, you have to have some kind of copay to cover those things. So, uh, like like say, with your dad with the diabetes or something like that, if they didn't rate that as service-connected, uh, or I don't know how they would, but, you know, he would have to pay. Uh, he would have to pay, you know what I'm saying? They're only going to cover the things that that uh, they can trace back to the military. So that that's just something to uh, keep your mind on now. Like I say, you should, and also he should have got. Wang um, say should have, but some people, some veterans get rated for whatever illness or whatever condition they leave the military, and they get rated by the VA. And if 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 the it, the uh, the condition that you're you're seeking help for didn't align with what they uh, what they said that uh, you rate you got your ratings for, then you're gonna have to pay for that or have some sort of insurance to help pay for that. But they won't turn you away; they'll still see you. But you know that's I think, and that's where the problem comes in because a lot of veterans think that most of the stuff is supposed to be free, and there's only the service connected stuff that's free, and everything else they'll still take care of you, but you have to pay a copay or whatever. Okay, that's pretty interesting. All right, good stuff, good stuff. Well, um, all I can say is that uh, you know to to all the the veterans out there, 
you know, happy Veterans Day to you. And uh, give you a round of applause on that. And hopefully more will be done in the future. Hopefully they'll have some people in office who are, you know, really diligent about making sure that veterans are getting what they need um, when they return home and that their families are getting what they need when they're off and overseas. And for those who don't return home, definitely want to see their families be taken care of and not neglected. Um, and I, I think there are some things in place to, to accommodate that. And hopefully, you know, like I said, there's always room for improvement. So, 347-202-0215 is the number. Uh, another quick topic. Eddie Murphy is expecting his ninth child, number nine. Now, he's stupid rich, but, I mean, I mean, is that enough children? I mean, you know, it's by what, his fourth or fifth woman? Uh, Crystal, I'll start with you. doesn't matter how many children you have as long as you can pay for them. No, it doesn't matter. It's up to you. You can have as many children as you want as long as you can take care of them. I mean, that's the rule. I really, I mean, I don't see any reason to limit someone or to say, oh, God, what a bad person. Oh, my God, they have a nice child or whatever, 10th child. If he's taking care of all those kids, then um, fine. Go ahead. And right. men can. They, can. they can have as many kids as they want because they, you know, they just have the fun part. So, yeah, he can continue to. Producing as many babies, I guess, as he, he wants to take care of. All right. Anyone disagree that um, it doesn't matter how many children you have as long as you can pay for them? Well, I, I think you should try to set the right example. But um, I think you can, um, yeah, as long as you can afford, you can afford them. You can have as many as you want. But, you know, having kids by different women and, you know, and, have brothers and half sisters and stuff like that really is something wrong with that but society is not going to look at it that way and you know I don't know how many kids he got over different women but Bye. you know I know he got Lady B his wife uh, Mel B and now I guess the lady he with now you know that's the only thing I can really say but as far as him being able to pay for him and stuff you know, he's an exception to the rule. Most guys got all these kids out here, you know, they can't support nine children the way they're supposed to be able to support them. So I understand some of his kids are growing now, but at the same time, you know, you got to be responsible. But he has the money, so I guess he's being responsible. The only thing I would say is, you know, settle down with whoever you're going to settle down with or something and try to have them all under one umbrella. I know that's hard nowadays because, you know, couples can't get along with each other and stuff like that. But, you know, at his age, he ought to, you know, chill back on that <laughs> a little bit. All right. All right. So does anyone, I mean, don't get me wrong. I know legally, as long as you can pay for the kids, no one cares, I guess, for the most part. But does anyone feel as if you shouldn't have any more kids that you can spend time with? No, I mean, he can spend plenty of time with the kids. Say what now? I say he can spend plenty of time with the kids. I mean, he can fly wherever he got to be. You know what I mean? I don't know if you necessarily have to be home every night, 
if he's with the girl and they live together or whatever, he is going to be home majority of the time unless he's on business. You know, it's better to be on the road making money than coming home every night and, you know, you going, you know, I mean, oh, yeah, he, he may be at night. home, but, but since he got, like, nine kids by five women, you know, I'm pretty sure they're all over the country. Nah, I mean, um, but they, but the, those, those kids are grown now. So right, some of them are grown. Yeah, yeah okay, we can that. Do like me and uh, get him on a plane and have him travel to them. I mean, uh, or either he he get on a plane and travel to them. That's what I right. do. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> so let me ask you this: Does it matter how many children you have, as if they're all being raised under one roof? All right, so maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. Not maybe you're not necessarily rich, but they're all being raised under one roof. Does that make a difference? As long as you can support them adequately, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's kind of like my situation. I ain't gonna lie to you. I got, um, you know, I got five kids, and and they're under three rules, you know. So, um, I take care of them. They all, you know, they, not only do I take care of them financially, but I'm there. Um, I travel to see them. I, I bring them down to see me. So, I mean, I'm pretty active, and I, I think that their situation as far as being in different houses don't matter because I make sure that when I travel to see one set, I got the other two if I can. I got them coming with me. So they, they know each other. They love each other. They talk constantly. Um, you know, so it hasn't affected, you know, my relationship, their relationship with each other or any of our relationships. So I think it just depends on how you, the, you the parent, handle it. Now, like I said, I got an ex-wife that, you know, she tried to, you know, keep two from me um, as much, but because of my visitation, the way it's set up, you know, I, if I can get them during that time frame, I got them, and I bring them um, with me. Like I said, if I go to if I go to Massachusetts, my son, my old son, he, he's always there. He, anywhere I go, everywhere I go, he's there. I'm going to uh, I'm coming down to Mississippi in 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 a week, and guess what? My old son will be down there with me. If I if I was able to get my other two uh, in North Carolina, I bring them, but I can't. And then uh, two in uh, Massachusetts, um, we're going to go see them for Christmas. So I think. It, you know, you don't have an excuse. It's just all about how bad you want to spend that time with your children, and and you know, and if they if they reciprocate that. Okay, you said you have five. Yep. It seems like every time you you come on the show, you got another kid. I could have sworn you had like three, <laughs> like two months ago. <laughs> you got three. You got three that I have unlimited access to. <laughs> you want the next? The next the next time we talk to Bobby, he's like, "Yeah, man, you know, I take care of my six kids." And yeah, I got like, seven now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like as we speak, he just had two more. All right. So, that's some of that. Uh, I got, yeah, I got three that I have unlimited access to, and so I'm grateful for that. Okay. So that's why I probably, if you hear me traveling and stuff like that, those are the three I'm pretty much talking about the most. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So. Uh, I mean, are, will we ultimately see a limit on kids similar to China, I guess, or maybe a higher taxes, a higher tax on bigger families? Maybe, maybe not in our lifetimes, but at some point in the United States, anybody feel that way? Uh, no, I don't think we'll never see that because, you know, in America, you have people saying that well, you shouldn't tell people how many kids to have and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's why you kind of want to see a guy like Donald Trump get in there because he's the kind of stuff that he comes up with, he'll challenge the system a little bit. 
And, you know, to me, you shouldn't be somebody that say, okay, well, you ain't taking care of the first two, but you continuing on and you continuing on and you continuing on. That shouldn't be allowed. But who's to say, tell a person how many kids they can have? So I don't think that'll ever go through in the United States. Anybody else? Yeah, I don't think we'll ever see it either. And, uh, I mean, you know, what we should do and what, what is going to happen is totally two different things. But I agree. I, I feel that if you're having kids and you can't take care of them, then you shouldn't have to have somebody else tell you to stop. I mean, I just don't get it. Uh, I don't I don't I don't understand anybody that's not wanting to take care of the kids but at the same time too, uh on the flip side of that coin, you know, it may not be that, that person uh who's a non custodial not taking care of the kids. It could just be that mother's being spiteful, you know, and then I'll give you another personal example. I don't mind using myself for the world. Uh I got the same two kids I was telling about that I don't I don't have as much access as I would like. I try to get insurance with them. That mother refuses to give me the information I need to get the insurance. Refuses to. And I don't understand why. <laughs> it only helps her if she got to take them to the doctor and whatever hers don't cover, mine will go in and finish up for her. But, I mean, that's the type of thing, though, because she wants to be able to go back and say, oh, I'm doing it by myself and blah, blah, blah. So those type of things happen, too. And I think that we lump every non-custodial uh, parent into this one bag, and they all did be because they're not, you know, you know, in some form or fashion in that child's life. But, you know, you have to look at the situation. I think it's circumstantial, but, I mean, even with that, though, still, if you're having kids and you're not taking care of them and you can't take care of them, then, yeah, you got to you gotta know, have enough common sense to wrap it up or just stop having sex altogether. Yeah, that common sense is lacked a lot around this country. Because uh, <laughs> there are a lot of people out there who can make them, but they can't do anything to take care of them. Hey, All right. But but I I say this to you though, Bobby. You if if when you get a woman that's acting like that, you gotta talk to the kids and let them know. A lot of people won't bad mouth the parent and all this and that. Oh, I wouldn't give a shit about that. I tell exactly the way it is, the way it goes. Y'all got my phone number. Y'all call me. Y'all live with her, so you know how she is. It is what it is. Yeah. You know. You know. You gotta let the kids understand that. Yeah, those two, they're old enough. They're old enough. They know exactly. I mean, trust me. When we're together, it's like we don't even skip a beat. It's not like, you know, it's, you know, it's not like a stranger trying to get reacquainted type thing. My kids absolutely love me, and they and they know I'm trying. They know that I call. They know that, you know, she's not picking up, answering the phone. She don't let them call me, you know, but they, they know all that. So they don't they don't ever hear any bad thing come out of my mouth about her and stuff. You know, but um, we we talk when I get a chance, and I let them know, hey, I'm going to continue to try, and and that's all I can do. But yeah, I, I got a great relationship with all my kids, so that's that's the one thing I'm not worried about as far as um, you know, the method that she's trying. She's not gonna she's not gonna win them over that way. She's not gonna keep them from loving me, so I'm I'm good. <laughs> all right, all right, um. On Tuesday's show, T2Q does the movies. We'll take a look at the movie industry, discuss some favorites, and maybe even do a little T2Q trivia to boot. That's going to be on Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern on the Talk Q. Uh, one more thing, if you all want to incorporate this in your final thoughts, you can. Joe's Crab Shack, a very popular chain across the country, is doing away with tips. 
you no longer tip their servers. Their servers are going to be paid a wage of $14 per hour. And, um, you know, the exact amount will be based on their performance. It could be more, starting at $14 per hour. And, you know, you no longer have to tip them. Uh, so you can comment on that if you think that's better for servers at restaurants. Do you think that they should be paid for the type of service they give? Um, whatever you want to, you know, say about that. And give your final thoughts. And I will start with Buck. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Buck, I can't hear you, bro. All right, I'll go around. Can you hear, can you hear me oh, now? there you go. Yeah, I can hear Sorry you. Sorry about that. Cool. All right. Repeat the question, because I was trying to get this damn mute button off, and it got stuck. <laughs> Sorry uh, about that. Well, <laughs> you can give your final thoughts, but you can also comment on Joe's Crab Shack saying they're going to pay their service at, starting at $14 an hour, and you're no longer required to tip them. Hmm, that's interesting. I already think the food industry doesn't pay pay, you know, it's hard to serve food um to the to the general public. And I, I really think that the servers do need to get paid more. Most of them get paid under minimum wage and have to rely on tips, you know, and you know, people just, you know, people don't have the, the money to tip anymore like they used to. So uh, I think it's a good idea. Uh, I wish more restaurants would step up and take the lead, like Joe Crabback's doing, and I think it's I think it's a good deal. Um, also, you know, great show tonight talking about the veterans. Uh, you know, it's, you know, happy happy Veterans Day to the ones that are you know on the show, that, and to all those that are listening because I mean the veterans today, you know, they they go out on them especially the ones that, you know, get in and have to fight on the front lines or, or you know, fly planes or do whatever, um, you know, to protect us so we can be able to have the freedoms that we have with the freest country in the in the world. And if we had to, you know, we got to take a hats off, the, you know, and give these guys and girls, you know, all in praise for helping, you know, helping us keep our country safe, keeping us safe so we'll be able to sleep at night and wake up and do it all over again the next day. So, Glad to have you know. This, it takes a, a special person to be able to be in the military uh, and being being uh, armed forces. So, uh, hats off to all the veterans and everybody. Have a great night. Thank you, sir. And Ray. Yeah, uh, great show uh, on Veterans Day in particular. You know, happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there. You have a very important job and. You know, I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. You guys appreciate it and very necessary. You know, I would like to see things get better for the vets because they've sacrificed their life, they sacrificed their family, they sacrificed their time to help keep this country safe. And, you know, I think it's a lot of talk about, you know, how the veterans are appreciated, but then when you look around, and you peel back the onion, you see how the veterans are really treated. And, you know, I don't believe in saying something if I don't believe it or I don't think that it's something that I honestly feel. And, you know, I just wish that everyone felt that way because if you look at the situation, I don't see how you could not feel that way. And, you know, I think that um, 
things may get better because now it's starting to get exposed a little bit more. So uh, hopefully the veterans get what they need to have. As far as uh, I believe it was Eat at Joe's, the workers getting fourteen dollars an hour. Yeah, Joe's Crab Shack. Yeah, that that's what. Yeah. Well, we got a few. Yes, either Joe's, Joe's Crab Shack, or. But um, yeah, I think that um, it's it's a good thing because a lot of people don't tip the workers the way they're supposed to tip them because they were getting, oh, I think, a few dollars an hour. But you know, you're supposed to tip fifteen to eighteen to twenty percent. You know, I've been out with a couple of fools. We go eat and, you know, watch the game and stuff like that and sit there for six hours and run the tab up to $300. And you got guys want to leave a $10 tip talking about they getting paid enough money for the food. No, you're supposed to leave 20%. And if people have been waiting on you for all that time, you really should take it up to 25%. We're talking four or five people here. So... You know, but you couldn't get guys to see that for nothing. You know, giving them two dollars a piece and stuff like that. Hey, mm-hmm. ma'am, give me all my stuff separate and give me my bill separate. So whatever you do today, food, you do it because mm-hmm. you couldn't get people to see that. So it's very important that they they get their wage now. Somebody want to tip them on top of what they already getting paid. That's one thing. But if you don't tip at all. They already getting the salary, so I think that that's good, and that shows the the uh, that they're getting do their work profession is getting respected. So I I think that's a good thing. But great show, and uh, we should have more like it to honor people who needs to be honored. Okay. Thank you very much, sir. And let's see. Let me go with uh, Daddy Rich. Go ahead and give your final thoughts, sir. Man, salute to all the veterans, man. You know, thank you for everything. And also salute to the Playboy Bunny that is giving blowjobs to the veterans at Mike Busey's party. I heard about (laughs) something like that. (laughs) Salute to her. Daddy Rich is always getting the grime, so you know I was on the dime on that one. Uh, I didn't know that was true. I just wish my father was around to get that. You heard me? (laughs) 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 I I would definitely pay for them to go to that. (laughs) But good show, man. It's great that you are honoring the veterans, you know, talking about getting everybody involved and letting everybody give their opinion about situations with the veterans. Uh, it's great. Good show. On to some football. All right. Thank you, sir. And let's see. Crystal? All right. Um, a good show. Uh, I'd just like to say regarding uh, the veterans, you know, thank you for your service. I am um, Spent a day honoring uh, our veterans because uh, I work in hospice and we went around to our nursing homes and gave them, you know, pinned them the uh, flag on their little towel. And it was, it was very good. We had guys from the, um, from the base come out and honor them with us. And 
it's it's a good thing to see them. Um, some of them, you know, with tears in their eyes. These are these are guys, you know, from the Marines, you know, Army. But you know, at their last stages in life, you know, someone, you know, mentioned that to them, and it's a, it's important to them. The military, the veterans, they, that stays with them, you know, for mm-hmm. their entire life. And um, some of the stories are good, some of them are bad, you know. And there are a lot of things that the military, as Bobby was saying, that they do have, you know, and um, and we have volunteers who who do work with uh, our veterans, you know, our hospice patients and their veterans, and they, they want to do that vet to vet, you know, from the ones who are, you know, active duty or um, whether they're serving the National Guard or, you know, as veterans, I have, you know, guys who work with um, VA, uh, Veterans Affairs, who do work with uh, those combat um, veterans who have come back and they just cannot, you know, they're finding it very hard to function uh, mentally. And so the services are there um, for them, but um, as Bobby was saying, it's about them coming to them, you know, you reach out and you hope that, you know, someone hears you and you can't get them all, you know, and, and you know, suicide is real and, and, and it happens. And so, you know, you know, so just if you know of a veteran or anyone really who is suffering or is going through depression or who's trying to cope, you know, just let them know that there are there are programs out there for people, mm-hmm. and um, whether it's mental or physical, they're there. But you do have to do a little bit of legwork in order to get some of the programs. I mean, this is the government we're talking about. It's hurry up and wait, and that's just the way it is. <clears throat> so, and um, you know, being in the military, you you know that. That's what you you know. That's the first thing you learn. You got to get there as soon as you're supposed to get there, and then you got to wait. So that's just the way it is. But um, as as far as what was your second question, or uh, talking about the restaurant? Oh, absolutely. I you know I think that they sh- they should be paid a regular wage, and and tipping should be just that. It should be a tip if you want to. It shouldn't be where they make two dollars an hour, and then you tip them in order for them to make an actual real wage. I don't think that's fair, and I know some waitresses do make a lot of money um depending on where they work or whatever you know with the tipping so maybe they don't they wouldn't like making a regular wage um because they like that that extra money that money that comes in because they're good at what they do or they have regulars or whatever uh-huh. but um but I think that I like the fact that they would that I know that they get paid a regular wage like everybody else and that if I want to tip that I still can if I want to I want to be able to you know do this really really good service but other than that I don't want to feel like I have to and, um, you know, at the end of the night, I'm sitting here, you know, with my calculator out trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? What percentage do you think this person deserves 
and all of that. And then if you don't get, you don't, you know, tip them correctly. And it's not just the service people of the, um, in the restaurant. I mean, get my God, I can't even get from my house to whatever. I mean, if I'm taking a trip, you know, it's just like ridiculous. I've, I gotta tip everybody. I don't even know what to tip. I just want to throw the money in the air and say, catch it. You know, whoever. Then we can get to the plane or get to whatever I gotta get to. I, mean, it's like, I don't know. But anyway, um, I think it's a good idea for them to be paid a regular wage. So you guys go and talk football. <laughs> Thank you very much, ma'am. You're and uh, Dr. Willis, shut it down for me. All right. I'd like to say on uh, behalf of myself and all the veterans out there who may be listening who didn't call in or whatever the case may be, uh, thank you guys for showing us love tonight. I appreciate, uh, you know, you giving us a little shine and IQ. Um, to all the veterans out there, or even service members that are still active who are, are Marines, I want to say a happy belated birthday. Yesterday was our 240th. So, hoorah. Uh, Supper Friday, you guys. Um, I also want to uh, encourage or, or, or speak to my veterans right now, and I want you guys to understand that when you go into uh, these the VA hospital uh, a, a regional office or wherever the case may be, looking for service, looking for help. Please remember that we are held to a higher standard. That we um, we we're trained, we're highly trained, and that you know we 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 are not even even once you take off that uniform, you still uh, by virtue of what you've done, part of that organization, and you need to represent the organization. I can't tell you how many times I've seen. Service members come in, you know, veterans come in, uh, you know, demanding things, uh, you know, just just uh, becoming, you know, unbecoming of what a veteran or what the idea of what a veteran should be or should act like. And to me, that nothing breaks my heart more than to see that, you know, to see folks saying, you know, well, you know, you know, act, or acting all entitled. And and don't get me wrong, some of the services you you've earned that service, but don't act like a spoiled child who's entitled. You know, go in with grace. Do what you got to do to get your services. They're there for you. You've earned them. Go get it. But if they're not moving fast enough, if they're not, you know, doing what you want them to do, please understand that, you know, I, I give you a classic example, a small town or something, you know, not the one I'm in, but I'm just giving an example. You know, small town USA got 30 reps, you know, processing claims, but that town got, you know, maybe let's say 8,000 veterans. You know, that's, that, that equates to roughly 260-something claims. Per person, and and we trying to you know we're telling them what they got to get it done within you know a hundred days or so. So you know please understand that you know they're doing what they can to 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 make sure first of all you're qualified to get what you're what you're in them demanding. So to all my veterans, please 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 when you go in there, you know think about your service, think about the virtues, the 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 principles, and everything that you 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 swore an oath to uphold. Act like you are a veteran when you go in there. Now, back to the show. Um, if you guys happen to be a veteran out there, like I said, and you and you and you, and you think that that veteran may need help, whether it's, whether it's mental help, whether it's housing, or whatever the case may be, take that veteran to a local veteran service office, a VSO. If you don't know what that is, look it up, Google it for your area. Take them to a VSO. If you got a a VA hospital in your area, take them to that hospital. It doesn't matter where you take me. If it's a place that helps veterans, at least they will be able to point you where to start. 
So that's the part that if you feel like, you know, you feel that you need to do something, that's that's the, that's one of the first basic things that you can do is get someone who needs help to the uh, appropriate people. Um, other than that, like I said, you know, it was a great show tonight, and uh, any time that we get a little shine, you know, it makes all of us feel proud, I'm sure. So, And I know for myself it feels good to know that, you know, you guys think about us. So I uh, appreciate that. As far as the uh, – the, the the crab shack. I think a lot of restaurants are going that way right now, and I don't think so much is um, um, so much about them getting a good wage or anything. I think that those that have that have stopped um, taking tips and stuff like that, it has. I think it's been been shown that they they get more business because now folks are not feeling obligated, and they can go there and they don't feel bad because they can't get you know the, the signs in the place said don't give a tip anyway. So now so now mm-hmm. this. this the company is getting more people and more business. And so I, I think a lot of folks on the outside are seeing that, and they're starting to go that route also. So they're saying, you know, they're putting up signs, you know, do not tip, please do not tip, whatever the case may be. So it's bringing in more business also for the business. So they're getting something on the back end of that as well. So, um, But other than that, you know, great show tonight. Uh, once again, on behalf of all veterans, thank you guys. And uh, you know, and we, you know, whatever their reasons for doing what you know what they did, they went in, they did a, a task for this this country, and um, and for me myself, I can say it was an honor doing it for you guys. Appreciate you. All right, appreciate you, man. All right, everyone. Well, um, again, it was uh, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the show. I want to say that. And I'm um, learning some things that I didn't know. And um, anytime we have the opportunity to honor someone who sacrifices for, you know, the very essence of, of what I do here on the show, you know, I got to show some love. So my um, th- thanks to crystalhickerson.com, uh, myhebrewroots.net, anytimevoice.com, and the thetrying.net. All for being sponsors of the Talk to Key Radio Show. Uh, we're going to get into some zone coverage in here in just a second. Um, you can find more information on the show at talktoq.com. Go there, but you can find um, you know information on Twitter, my information on Facebook. Subscribe to my email newsletter. All of that can be done at talktoq.com. The show airs live every Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, there will be a special Thursday night show next week where I have a special guest. Uh, just keep your eyes open, and I'll reveal that for those who didn't listen to the end of Zone coverage last night. And, uh, yeah, so everyone have a good night. Peace out. We're getting ready to talk a little football. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? <laughs>
You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Be a dog. You don't need no meows. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. But we talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We don't need no meow. We don't need no cats. Need more dogs. That dude cracks me up. All right. Uh, let's see. I got my guys back on, right? Everybody here? Yep, I'm here. Yep. All right, cool. We'll go ahead. Um, And I don't think we talked about – we didn't talk about Alabama LSU last night, did we? I know I had mentioned that. I can't remember we discussed it or not. I don't think we did. And, uh, well, you know, Alabama pretty much handled LSU this weekend. The first half was pretty competitive, and the second half, it, things changed. Um, a lot of people are coming down on Leonard Fournette, and I don't think he can be blamed. I mean, first of all, Alabama's a, a great team with a great defense. And, two, got to have people to block. And a lot of times he was getting hit before he – right as he got to the line of scrimmage. But uh, did he lose the Heisman Saturday? Uh, is is Derrick Henry the new Heisman hopeful? Uh, he probably did lose it. I mean, he's had a great year, and he's been a tough running back. But Alabama just had that defense. And any time they shut you down like that, it's going to hurt you. I mean, they really had to focus on him. I mean, he won the better running backs in the country. I'd say top three. And, you know, I'm quite sure Alabama's had other running backs get 50 yards on them or 60 yards on them, but they really focused in on them. When they focus in on you, it's nothing that you really can do. I mean, Alabama shut running backs down like this for the last few years now. So I don't think it really should be a knock on them, but, you know, it might raise a couple of flags. It wasn't necessarily that he did wrong. It's just that they was just all over him. You know, they had a great game plan. They shut him down. Okay. And uh, anybody want to comment on Derrick Henry? And is there anyone in the NFL he reminds you of? Ooh, Derrick Henry kind of reminds me a little bit of Jerome Bettis. Um, and he also kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, the one he used to play for the Titans. Um, I can't tell you. Eddie George. Eddie George. He kind of a combination of those two because he's got some height, but he also got that bruising ability, and he's quick on his feet for a big guy. So, um, you know, he, he's nimble and a whole lot more nimble than what you would expect for somebody with that size. But, I mean, he has another – he also kind of, if you – if he also kind of has a little bit of a he, – he's got some speed, and it's a, it's a little bit uncanny. I mean, he's so big to the point to where he doesn't look like he would be fast, but they rascal got some speed on him because they had a rough time with him on, on, on Saturday. So, um, you know, he, he definitely he definitely made you know that for himself. 
in that game. <laughs> you know, he wasn't in the conversation before, but he's damn sure in it now. Well, you know, I, I think uh, he reminds me a little bit of Eric Dickerson. But, you know, when you're that big, it's kind of hard to tell what you're going to do on the next level. Because, I mean, he had crazy stats coming out of high school. He had, like, uh-huh. 11,000 yards over four years or something crazy like that, where, you know, he was much bigger than everybody else. So it's really not going to tell. And, I mean, when you look at the Alabama running backs, none of them have really had a whole lot of success in the NFL, except, you know, Eddie Lacy, really. I mean, Mark Ingram is coming along now, but – you know, if I was going after running back, the first guy off the board for me would be Ezekiel Elliott. You know, would have been probably Nick Chubb, but he got hurt. Uh-huh. So, you know, I mean, Derrick Henry's a good player, but I don't know how it's going to transition on the next level. I don't know either, but uh, right now, you know, he looks pretty good. He looks tough, um, and we'll see what happens, you know. But uh, I like watching them run. But, all right, uh, I'm trying to think as far as the games this weekend. I know they have a couple of top 25 matchups. I'm trying to get my schedule pulled up here. Uh, Of course, I'll be more focused on Mississippi State and Alabama to see if Mississippi State can pull off yet another miracle. Um, I don't look for them to beat Alabama, but it would be nice to see that happen. Um. Let's see. Yeah, Alabama number two versus number 17, Mississippi State. Yeah, number 21, Memphis against number 24, Houston. Conference USA getting some love. Uh, This is the game I was interested in. Number 12, uh, Oklahoma State. Excuse me, Oklahoma versus number six, Baylor. And I don't know if y'all noticed or not, but the Big 12 is starting to get in the mix for this playoff thing. Um, now, TCU laid an egg last week. I don't know what happened there. But um, the Big 12 of Oklahoma State and Oklahoma and Baylor are getting a little love. Uh, can the Big 12 get into a playoff game without having a conference championship? Is that what's going to ultimately do them in? Yeah, I think they can get in, but I don't think they're the best team. You know, if, uh, if Ohio State went out, they should definitely be there. Alabama, you know, will be there. Uh, who was the other team? Clemson should be there. And then maybe you throw in one more team. I don't know if they make it in. Let me let me ask about Alabama real quick, though. Um, and Daddy Rich, you can chime in on this as an SEC guy. Alabama, we all know right now, Alabama can probably beat anybody in the country. Okay. All right, however, they did lose to an Ole Miss team that has, you know, a couple questionable losses on their schedule. Because they lost, all right, do they really deserve to be in the top four right now with other undefeated teams out there? I mean, I know you got to kind of consider strength of schedule, but, you know, if if another team like uh, – I mean, you know, if Ohio State lost, I'm pretty sure people wouldn't be saying they're still the best in the country. I mean, a lot of people don't even think they deserve to be number one. Um, and they haven't lost this, you know, since last year or whatever. I mean, 
Alabama lost. That's what I'm trying to say. And they lost to Ole Miss. Does that count for anything? I mean, why are they still considered the best in the country by a lot of people? Well, you got to look at it. In the SEC, you got LSU, you got Ole Miss, you got Alabama, you got Florida, you got Georgia sometimes. You know, you got Arkansas every now and then. They'll come around and play. These teams all beat up on each other in the West. And they're some of the best in in the top ten. Some of these teams, like three or four of the teams are in the top ten usually every year. Now, you're playing top ten teams. Sometimes some of two or three of the teams, maybe two of the teams are in the top five, like Alabama and LSU. And if you're getting knocked around by these teams, they're going to knock each other out of position, basically. The other teams aren't playing top ten teams like that every week. So, therefore, you can't really look at their strength of schedule like Ohio State because, okay, let's put Ohio State in the mix with what Alabama has to go through to keep their position. And let's see if they can keep that. And I didn't even mention Mississippi State. You know, the, this, the SEC is brutal, man. Regardless of whether people look at it and say, well, they got beat, well, they got beat, well, hell, they're beating each other, and it's going to happen because somebody has to win. But the key to it is is that these guys are top ten teams in the nation, some of them top five. And you cannot deny the strength of schedule there is beyond belief. <laughs> when you look at it as a coach, if you look there and you say, well, hell, I got to play LSU, they're top five. Hell, I got to play Alabama. They're top five. I'm Ole Miss. And you're like, hell, look at what I got to go through. Mississippi State, they're top ten. You know, these teams are top caliber teams. And you can't take that away from the SEC. It's just, it is what it is. Now, if those teams teams play teams like that Uh Saturday after Saturday, then you you could have them in the question. But Man, you know, by the time the SEC gets to that, they're beat up. All right, so let me ask this. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Um, If Alabama right now, uh, which I think Alabama has played a tougher schedule than Clemson, um, and, you know, Clemson probably going to run the table on a, on a weak ACC conference, but – I mean, but they're they're in the position that they're in. If Alabama is the number two team in the country by a lot of people's eyes, and LSU, their only loss is to Alabama, and they've beaten everybody else in the SEC West, why are they not in the top four? I mean, LSU <laughs> dropped to nine, and they lost to a team that a lot of people think is the best team in the country. On the road. Well, well, you got to look at it like this. I mean, they did they did lose to Alabama. Now, they, the thing is, I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe it's Nick Saban. Maybe they just maybe they paying them. I don't know. But Alabama, I mean, you got to think about this. When Alabama win, they don't just win. They beat the they beat the dog shit out of you. Okay. So, with that being said, I mean, Nick Saban tries to get these boys. You know. The way he recruits for his team, 
he has a player ready and waiting in the wings already if one gets injured. So, therefore, there's no drop-off. And I mean in every position. So, I think that, you know, maybe he's getting some, maybe he's getting a little bit of, you know, whatever you want to call it because of that. And, I mean, but you got to look, you know, the teams that he's beating, you know, with the strength of schedule, I mean, they're not just, you know, he, they're beating the brakes out of these guys. Alabama rarely has a close game. They're all blowouts. So that's the reason why, you know, they, you know, some people want to put these guys, even though they got one loss to Ole Miss, they want to put these, you know, they put these guys, you know, second and want to call them the best in the nation. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, he just he has a work ethic for these kids to follow, and they're following it to a T. And you know, we can say we can sit here and say we hate Alabama all you want, but Nick's not even doing the damn thing over there. And uh, you know, the, they're they're playing. You know, they're the kids are buying into what he's you know buying into what he's selling. And you know, they go out there and they perform every week, and to perform at a high level. And, and possibly even into an NFL level style in college. So I mean they're doing they're doing it, and that's the reason why they're looked upon as being one of the top three, if not the top team in in the in all of college football. I, I I look at it like this, as far as the, the rankings are concerned. Uh, of course, the rankings now don't matter. Um, everything's gonna kind of shake itself out by the time we get to the conference championships, you know, I mean, the season's wrapping up, but it's just that I don't have any confidence that the best teams are necessarily getting in when the rankers are kind of done the way they're done. I mean, as far as, like I said, it doesn't make any sense to me logically to have a team like Alabama who lost to um, a two loss Ole Miss team that is no longer ranked, and they're sitting at number two. But then you have LSU who lost to, you know, that same team, and they dropped to number nine. I mean, it's just so, like no. so much. It's no, so much. Let, 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 let me say it like this, Q. Where okay. was Ole Miss when they beat Alabama? Um, I think they were undefeated at the time. No, where, where was they ranking? Number oh, three, wow. number four. I think they were top five. I don't remember exactly. Let me oh, see if I can, if I can find so, it. Uh, number three. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I think that I think they may have been. I'm not sure. So if they was and, number three, well, now according to this, they, they were number, right. number fifteen. No, they couldn't have that been. That can't be right. Uh-uh. I think they were number three at the time. All right, but go ahead, go ahead with, with, your, with your point. Yeah, see, if they know they're number three, because Ole uh-huh. Miss has a, a – they kind of like Georgia. They'll start off well, but then they taper off. You can't do nothing about a team laying down. What was Ole Miss when they played Alabama? They were the top team in the country. They were playing the best football in the country. You know, they had Kenichi and all these guys going to do this and trade well and all these guys. When they was playing that way, now they laying down, just like they did last year. You know, Arkansas beat them what thirty and nothing last year, and all this right. kind of stuff, and they lost Saturday to Arkansas. But That's my true. thing is, actually, when you look at 
I'm sorry, I did find they 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 were they were number fifteen when they beat Alabama. They moved to number three. Okay. Okay. We we can accept that, but when they beat Alabama, that was such a big win that they oh, yeah. needed to move ahead of the other teams that were undefeated. You okay. understand? You can't come here and beat Bowling Green and think you're gonna stay in the top two or three. That's mm-hmm. bullshit. So you playing that SEC. You know, like you say, LSU, Florida, you know, every week you got somebody. A lot of these teams are skating, and then they want to be still ranked. You got to play the best in order to be the best. And right. I think the and SEC I, does I, that better than anybody. And I, and I agree. That's what I'm saying. But we're, we're talking about LSU, who is the SEC, and they lose to the best team in the SEC, yet to yeah, me, well, they should be ranked and, high. And and what was the score? Uh, let me find it. Uh, they lost thirty to sixteen, two touchdowns. Thirty to sixteen. Think about yep. that. Now, now, if if you Notre Dame, you're supposed to be behind those guys. No, you Oklahoma. State, no, no, no. Right, Notre Dame lost to uh, the number one team in the country. They lost to Clemson. That's their only loss. Yeah, but but but, but this, this is what I'm saying. So where's LSU supposed to go? Uh, where are they supposed to go? So were they mean, supposed to fall to number four and up. back Notre Dame up? They can't do that. Right now they're number nine. Let's see. Is LSU better than Stanford? I think they're better than Stanford. Stanford lost to Northwestern. Um, they're better than yeah. Iowa. They're better but, than Iowa. The thing is. But the thing about it is, is, is Stanford has been what are they won about seven in a row now or something like that. Oh, they yeah yeah about you, seven or eight in a row. You guys went went up there and was ranked at number three or whatever LSU was. I believe mm. it was number three Saturday and yeah. lost by more than two touchdowns. Now. To me, you can't go to number four, number five, number six, particularly if Baylor and all these teams have not lost. So where was LSU supposed to go? You know, nine nine is right. You fell six spots. And all the teams behind them won. You know, I don't I don't disagree with that. Now had had they done it like they did four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And they lost by a field goal at the last second or something like that. Lost nine to seven or something. Right. Okay, we back you at one or two spots for two more than two touchdowns. Oh no, you got to come come up out of there. Lucky you come out of the top ten. Got the best running back in the country. He got shut down. You know, you ain't supposed to see that. That's like New England go to the Super Bowl and get beat by by two touchdowns. Oh no, it ain't supposed to happen. I can I, I can see your point. I can see your point a little bit. It, I mean, I still think they could beat just about everybody in front of them. But I I I, I see your point though. Um, if they had it been closer, they probably would have gotten a little more respect. So, and I'm pretty sure they'll end up making their way back up the ladder a little bit. But um, I don't really see Alabama losing to give them an opportunity to get to any type of playoff game unless. These other people start dropping games, but the way the um, the season is going, they're gonna. Be, I think it's gonna end up 
probably with at least three undefeated teams. Clemson shouldn't lose. Ohio State shouldn't lose. Um, Iowa's going to lose at some point because Iowa's um, going to have to face Ohio State. Clemson's got to face North Carolina. And I'm sorry, who? North Carolina. Don't forget. Oh, yeah. Tough. Okay. Yeah, North Carolina is a pretty good team this year. They've only lost one game. game. Yeah. So, um, and Notre Dame, let's see, looking at Notre Dame's schedule, um, Wake Forest, Boston College, at Stanford is going to be tough. So, but Notre Dame can, can, can probably run the table as well, and probably Baylor, I mean, um, and be undefeated. So uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. If Baylor goes undefeated, uh, do they get left out the second year in a row? If 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 Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and Notre Dame, all four of them went out, if Baylor goes undefeated, can they possibly jump Notre Dame and make it in, or will they also get left out like they did last year? Because they, they, they don't have a Championship, no conference championship, but down the stretch they got Oklahoma this weekend, number twelve, Oklahoma State number eight next weekend, and they got number fifteen TCU after that. It's so according they got, to how the people I, 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 are. I think if they beat the all of them guys, they should be in. But Notre Dame is one of those schools. All you got to do is win one big game. They're gonna have them in the top two. You know, so if they can come through all of that. Because I don't see them guys whooping Oklahoma. I don't see Bell beating Oklahoma State. But when they do play Oklahoma State, you put everything you got on the over. <laughs> Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State's undefeated. So keep that in mind, too. Oklahoma State's undefeated at 9-0. and um, And they play number six, Baylor, and number 12, Oklahoma. So they what does that oh, yeah. do for them? I mean, I think it's going to be mean, pretty tight. Somebody's going to be upset. Yes, they beat yeah, I don't. I can't see them beating Oklahoma State. TCU will probably come back and beat Baylor. Right, right. And is, you know that's going. That's going. That it's all going to balance itself out. But Ohio State, it should be in it because they're the champ. Urban Meyer, the best coach that's ever been in college football. So and, and until somebody whooping, hey, he got to be in there. Alabama should be in there. You know, Clemson should be in there, and then everybody else is fighting for that last spot. All right, so let's 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 go back and look at Ohio State for a second, Ray. And I'm glad you brought that up. Now, personally, I agree with you that they're the champs until someone knocks them off. But if you're doing this from season to season, does Ohio State deserve to be in there? Because their schedule is garbage. But they whoop anybody you put in front of them, and I believe I mean, they lost what one, they one game since Urban have been there. They yeah, I believe they lost one since they've been there. But I mean, if we're looking at it from season to season, like this, that's the way they're supposed to be voting. If if last season doesn't matter, how can a team that's not played anybody in the top twenty-five be ranked so high? If last season doesn't matter, if you're the champ. You can't jump the champ. They didn't move them back to number three, but you cannot not give them a chance to defend the title, not when they win it like that. Erdmeyer deserves more respect than that, and he's earned that respect. He won everywhere he's been. So, you know, and in the end, he showed you. 
Alabama and them come out there, Ohio State put something on their head. They out of there. Now, whether they got beat up on or whatever, I, I agree with that. You know, if they had it for a tough season because they got to go up against each other. But either way it goes, Irv Meyer and them put something on the head. So, I think he should be in it until they lose. You know, and they got these Michigan, the Michigan State and all that. They play all them guys, so they, they play somebody on the schedule. So, when they, I mean, when they play Michigan, State. They play Michigan State um, next week. That's going to be the first top 25 team they played all season. Okay. So, when they play Michigan? Our last game of the season. Okay. So, they're going to have the opportunity. So, they will have the opportunity to play two top 25 teams. But, I mean, they've been on a cruise, man. Hawaii, Northern Illinois, Western Michigan. I mean, they've been on cruise hey. control. What, what do you think about it, Buck? Oh. Do you think Ohio State just – should you give them the benefit of the doubt since they won last year? Or should it be based on what they've done this season, which is, I mean, they've won all their games, but they hadn't played nobody of significance? No, I mean, you got to give them a little bit of credit. I mean, you, you know, they have been winning the games and they've been w- winning them, you know, you know, handily. I know they're, you know, they haven't played some of the top tier, you know, top tier Teams like you know, like Alabama and some of the other ones, but you know you got to give them tip. You know they are the current champions, and a lot of times, I mean, we we've seen the year past that the ones that won the year before they weren't number one and were undefeated, and that that's just bizarre in itself. If you are the champion and you're still winning, regardless of whether your schedule is weak or strong, you you still you know you are the current champion, and until somebody knocks them down, they should be first. Um, but you know Ohio State, you know, comes to play. You know they do come to play when they play big games, um, and we saw evidence of that last year. You know they had a third string quarterback in there, and you know when they went in there and you know won the national championship with uh, you know third string quarterback and third stringers out you know in other positions on the field. So you know Urban Meyer is a coach. You know he's a player's coach. And um, he knows how to get his guys motivated just like Saban does. So it doesn't yeah. matter who they're playing. You know, the bottom line of it is that these guys know what they're doing. And, you know, it's, it's, I, it's nice to see. I look at um, – and, and Baylor falls in the same boat. I mean, Baylor hasn't played the top 25 school yet. I mean, they're going to have three in a row um, to finish out the season, three out of the last four. But um, Baylor hasn't played anybody. Of significance. Now they've been destroying the people they played. I give them credit for that. Um, I know Notre Dame um, only beat Northern Illinois by a touchdown. Um, so that game was pretty close. They only beat Indiana by a touchdown, but everyone else they handled pretty, pretty, uh, pretty well. Uh, when you look at Iowa's schedule, Iowa has beaten number nineteen Wisconsin, and they've beat number twenty, uh, number twenty at the time, Northwestern. And they beat Northwestern by 30 points. And um, so they played two top 25 teams. Uh, so I don't know, man. I, I just think, I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that the, the rankings to me uh, just don't always make a lot of sense. And I know there's only so much you can do. I mean, personally, if I had it my way, I just have the division winners go to the playoffs and everybody from each division play each other just like you do in any other sport. But, um 
I, I mean, I, I just I can see so much inconsistency in here when you look at the rankings. And, I mean, I understand why TCU drops after losing to Oklahoma State by 20 points, but Oklahoma State is a good team. So it's not like they lost to a garbage team, you know. Uh, so, and, oh, man, I didn't even know Navy was seven and one Navy's up in here. Uh, but I don't know. I just think it's just some inconsistency in here. But we can move on to the pros. I'm spending a lot of time on college, but I think college is getting pretty good. I mean, we, we're wrapping things up. We had separation Saturday last week. We're starting to get into more um, of the big conference play between teams we actually want to see play. Ohio State and Michigan State ought to be pretty good. Um, I actually think Michigan State can win that game. And then, of course, with Alabama and Mississippi State, that should be a competitive game, you would hope. But moving on to the pros. Uh, tomorrow, Buffalo and the Jets. Um, again, I love the division matchups on Thursday nights. Uh, Buffalo is 4-4. Four and four, The Jets are 5-3. and three. Uh, It'll be a big win if the Jets can pull that off and move to 6-3 and three and kind of position themselves uh, more towards that wild card spot. Um, I'm guessing with, you know, you all being Steelers and Raiders fans, you're probably going to be pulling for Buffalo to keep the Jets down, to keep your wild card spots alive. Um, so, I think Miami 3-5 and five against the 4-4 four and four Eagles to give the Eagles a chance to move up on the winning side of things. The Bears 3-5 and five against the 4-4 four and four Rams. A lot of mediocrity. Uh, Carolina 8-0, Tennessee 2-6. and six. Anybody looking at that as a trap game going to Nashville? Panthers are four and a half. Minus four and a half. Well, Mariola and them been throwing that ball down there. You know, any time the coach get fired, everybody raise up. You know, they're still full of piss and vinegar, so that could be a good game. You look at Miami, they were full of piss and vinegar for two or three weeks. Now look at them. You knock all that piss and vinegar out of them, they're right back where they started. So I think it's going to be a pretty competitive game, and the Carolina don't need to sleepwalk. And uh, speaking of um, Carolina being undefeated, when you look at Carolina at 8-0, the Patriots at 8-0, and Cincinnati at 8-0, of those three teams, pick one that you think will not win at least 14 games. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. You think they're going to start dropping a couple of games? Oh yeah, most definitely. They're gonna, they, you know, they always crack under pressure. I mean, they they do have a nice squad. They got a lot of talent. Um, it's just only a matter of time, you know. And you know, they they do have, you know, a difficult schedule coming down the stretch. Um, you know, they got some teams. They got good records that they got to play. So, you know, they're going they'll they'll start dropping. I know that I know we've been saying that for last year for weeks, but it's gonna happen because that's Cincinnati. That's how they do it. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna retract, and I'm gonna say Cam Newton and them because there's gonna be an injury. Something's gonna happen because North Carolina, they those receivers that they have aren't really that good either. And he's just been go, Greg Olson's been doing his damn damn thing, and he, if he goes down, so goes Cam Newton. Because I'm telling you, Greg Olson has been disguising that damn offense like it's something else, and then that uh, running back. Uh, what's his name? 
can't even remember that kid's name. Stewart. Stewart. Yeah, Stewart, man. You know, they've been carrying. And then Cam, you know, he's been doing this. But I'm telling you, look at the games and look at Greg Olson's got big plays. I'm talking about big plays. And it's just like yeah, they, I mean, they forget about but, but, him. And, all oh, he's still only got 500-something yards for the year. You know what I mean? So the offense has got to come from somewhere. That's what they said when when Kelvin Benjamin went down. Cam Newton them find a way to win. And if they, they find sure a way do. to win, you know, them guys got a defense, they got everything. Got a quarterback that's confident, coach that's willing to gamble, vote run. And them guys look good out there. You know, everybody not really giving them a lot of credit because it's Carolina. But they playing as good as anybody. You ain't gotta put up thirty five points to win the game. As long as you win, that's what counts. And Cam Newton is like 22nd in the league in passing yards, but um, he's getting them when they need them, and they're undefeated. And I'm pretty sure Phillip Rivers would take 1,800 yards passing and an 8-0 record over his 3,000 yards passing and 2-6 and record anytime. So, all right, so we'll move on. The Saints are 4-5 and five against the Redskins, who are 3-5. and five. Uh, the Saints had a horrible loss last week. I mean, they could have been 5-4 and four going into this game and making their way towards a wild card spot. Um, do anybody see the Redskins beating the Saints at home? The Saints are minus one. It's it depends on, yeah, depends on how hot Kirk Cousins get. depends on if Deshaun Jackson plays. It depends on watching the Redskins running game. If you ever want somebody to lay down, Drew Brees and New Orleans Saints can do it for you. Yeah, they throw three or four touchdowns, but you threw four touchdowns and scores 28-28, you mean, hey, I ain't saying it's your fault, but at the same time, you get the credit when you win, you got to take the credit to play when you lose. Yep. All right, quick trivia. Who leads the league in, in touchdowns right now? Uh... Uh, Tyler Eifert. No, nah, I mean touchdown passes, quarterback. Oh, uh, Carson Palmer. Anybody else guessing? It's not Carson Palmer? Buck, Danny Rich, y'all sleep? Cam Newton. No, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, 22 touchdowns. Uh, Carson Palmer has 20. Second. Yeah, oh, Cam Newton okay. has 14. He's 11th. But you tell him who third Third is uh, Derek Carr. Top of third. It's a four way top of third. Him, him Eli Phillips, hey, and um, Aaron Rodgers all have 19. So, all right. Um, Let's see. Dallas two and six against Tampa Bay three and five. Tampa Bay is favored by minus one, which is a shame. Uh, boy, if Dallas ever needed to see a three and five team, they they need to win this week. They have got to win this game, and Tampa Bay ain't gonna be no pushover either. Charles Smith, Charles Sims has been been running the ball pretty well. Um, you know. And, uh, you know, Doug Martin does well in spots. Uh, 
Uh, Mike Evans is a beast on the outside. Vincent Jackson's overpaid. But uh, I think that uh, Dallas can go in there and, and win this game. I think Dallas could have won every game they played except for the Patriots, to be honest with you. They just find a way to seem to blow a game um, or have it taken from them, uh, just not being able to make plays. So, um, I, I mean, even though the Tampa, Tampa is favorite to win, I think Dallas is more than capable of going there and getting a victory. And Jacksonville two and six, Baltimore two and six. Yeah, I ain't gonna watch this, but it'll be big for Jacksonville if they win because that'll keep them on pace in the uh, very weak AFC South. Uh, I mean, Jacksonville is only two games out of first place from Indianapolis, and uh, I mean, so if they win, they can keep pace as far as a division title. And Cleveland two and seven visits the five and four Steelers. Now they say that Manziel will only play if uh, McCown is still injured, but it looks like McCown is going to play. Uh, Buck, Daddy Rich, y'all worried about any surprises in this game? I mean, you're minus four and a half in this one. Um, you handle them. Uh, well, no, I'm tired. You haven't played them this year yet. Uh, I mean, how do you feel about Cleveland coming to town at two and seven? Is this anything that's going to bother you any type of way? No, I don't think so. I mean, we got to the, the only way we will drop a game is by you know not playing our style of football, turning the football over. Um, I, I know we got Andrew Jones starting, but this should be a game that we should be able to easily win. I mean, doesn't matter whether McCown starting or or Manziel starting. You know, you just have to, we just have to be smart. I mean, it is a division opponent, so anything can happen in divisional games. However, we just, you know, as long as we play error-free football, we should be fine. I don't know. I feel some type of way. I, I feel oh, some type of Because, man, look, man, every game that Cleveland has played, they have been in, they have scrapped. It has been yeah, a game. And we right now, we're injured, we're hobbling, man. We're hobbling through this shit, man, this year, man. It's not good. This this is like that year that Big Ben hurt his foot that one year in a motorcycle accident and shit. And we was all messed up. Then his ass tried to come back, and it was just terrible. This is, man, we're just, we're scrappy right now. We're, I don't know, man. We This this is a scary, every, every week right now, until we're 100% healthy, is a scare. I don't give a damn if we're playing damn Buccaneers or, or I mean, whoever. It doesn't matter because we are injured, man. We got problems. And it's it's something we got to look at. We lost LeVon Bell. And without him, with him, I thought, and Big Ben, I'm thinking we're going to the conference. We're going to the championship. We're, we're going there. To, to We're going there. But without them, without those two and the way things are going, man, we're going to be lucky to even make it into the damn playoffs, man. And well, that's just looking say, at it realistically. That's looking at realistically. What, what, what does Landry Jones do for you guys? Because D'Angelo Williams, y'all ain't missing a thing with Le'Veon Bell being out. Le'Veon Bell is a great running back. Y'all ain't missing a thing. It's what's going to happen at quarterback because the quarterback is going to make everything go. Landry Fields can hit. Brian and he can hit uh, Antonio Brown and he can keep everything moving down the field. 
you guys should be able to beat Cleveland. But you get Josh McDowell out there in a shootout. I mean, this guy threw a 400-something yards this year. So, you know, nobody wants to get a guy credit, but he's playing great at quarterback. Yeah, he's but, not doing bad. You know, you see the Steelers, if they got all their pieces, they can probably beat anybody because they can put up 45 points. You see what I'm saying? Just like New England can. Yeah, you give up 40, 40, but as long as you got 45, you still win the game. But the thing is, is what, does, what is the quarterback going to do? And Landry Jones has been scared when he was in college. He's scared in the NFL. But he's still better than Michael Vick. So I believe he, he get his uh, feet underneath him. I believe he can will y'all to win the game. But don't sleep on Cleveland if, you know, Landry Jones doesn't do well. So it should, it should be an interesting game. I know that's y'all's favorite squad, so y'all should be watching it. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. Okay. And um, we'll see. They have been competitive. And um, All right. Right now in eight games, Adrian Peterson has 758 yards. Y'all take the over or under Adrian Peterson, 1,650 yards. Under. Yeah, I take the under on that. I think he's going to fall a little short of 1,650, huh? All right. I mean, he may get 1,500 or something like that, but I, I take the under. I understand he caught fire the year he went over 2,000 and really bust out the last eight games or whatever, but you know, I, I don't know, you know. Yeah. All right. The Packers are minus 11 and a half over the one and seven Detroit Lions. The Packers have lost two in a row. I'm pretty sure they're going to be mad coming back home. Does anyone think the Lions can cover that 11 and a half? Yep, I do. And simply because the receivers are not getting separation. Um, you know, and the defense is not playing. It's not playing – the defense is not playing up to its its capability. This could be one of these trap games. You know, it's a divisional opponent, and you know the Packers are reeling a little bit. There's a little bit of confusion on the sidelines. I'm not saying Detroit gonna win, but I am gonna say it's gonna be close. No, I think the Packers gonna run over. I mean, I I mean, 48 to, to 15. You know, I think they're gonna run over. I mean. <laughs> Detroit haven't showed me nothing this year. And Matthew Stafford, he's in there simply because he's Matthew Stafford. You know, if he was RG3 or somebody, he had his ass on the bench. And, you know, Calvin Johnson, them, they come to play. But at the same time, you know, it's just so much you can do if you're a wide receiver. You put Calvin Johnson on the high school team, he can't do nothing if he ain't got a quarterback. Yeah, he run off lead defensive back by 20 yards. But can't nobody get you the ball. You just look pretty run down the field like a deer, and that's exactly what that's exactly what's happening. You know, so Matthew Stafford. I don't know what the problem is. You've been throwing the ball and everything over the years, and he just ain't hitting them guys. And you know, Caldwell. You know, I don't know if it's his decision or not, but he's standing there with the same dumb look on his face that he had a couple of years ago. And he's going to have the same dumb look on his face when they make him a coordinator on some, in somebody else's city. <laughs> he better do something quick, but I don't think uh, benching that boy is the solution. 
That kid oh, just yeah. needs. That kid's just they going to have to. That kid's going to have to. I tell you what's going to happen with, with Indianapolis. When they put the house back out there, you watch them take off. Watch what I tell you. Now, I'm not saying Luck is not a franchise quarterback or any of that. But at the same time, when you playing like that, they supposed to put your ass on the bench. And they ain't doing it because he luck. Well, this, all his ribs, all this. Or you guys ain't report that on the on the injury report. Oh, no, we're not seeing his ribs are hurting and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of bullshit going on. The guy ain't not performing, you got to take him out of the game. Hasselbeck got them guys winning. Sit him down, put Hasselbeck back in there. I tell you what, they put Kaepernick's ass on that bench, didn't they? Half of them would be still in the game, but the other half, they make sure they put him in. Oh, on the bench. Hey, Q, we was yeah, wrong about that. Gabbard came in and did his damn thing, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gabbard came in and did his damn Yeah, but the thing is, when when they don't have no film on you, and you could go down the field, it's a whole different situation. And Kaepernick is a $20 million a year quarterback, got his ass on the bench. Know why he got his ass on the bench? Because he's a brother. If, it, if it, these other guys, you know, hey, I'm just saying what it is. If you want these other guys, what's going to happen? They ain't throwing interceptions. Oh, he must not be feeling well. I mean, something is not right. And this, 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 you beating the league in interceptions. It ain't like, well, you know, you had a bad game. Three, four interceptions. Good gracious. Pull the man out of the game. You know, Peyton Manning arms throwing them damn live ducks out there. Put that young boy in there and let him throw some passes. The defense playing lights out. That's happening to Watch your 20-year-old Matt Hasselbeck come in and start lighting stuff up again. Hey, I tell you, I tell you what, I, be, I believe Andre Johnson and everybody going to be catching the ball in. Why yeah. what I think. Yeah. We we gonna we gonna see how it's gonna turn out. Well, right. they gonna make all kinds of things for them. Yeah, Kaepernick got to stay off the damn internet. You know he a terrorist anyway, so you need you know that's the reason why he's at that bench. So yeah, let's put him. Rightfully so, he should be on the bench. But the only yeah. thing I'm saying is the only reason why they put him on there is because you know what it is. The mother guy, right. for them, still out there. <laughs> All right, Julio Jones, nine catches a game, 114 yards per game, has a 1,029 yards in nine games. Does Julio Jones, let's see, over or under 1,700 yards? Over. Anybody else? I think he's gonna go under. That's I think he's gonna start to fall off. I'd like to see him go over. I think he's gonna start to fall off, man. He having to do all this stuff on his own. He ain't getting nothing out of Roddy White. I mean, he's no, not gonna no, they not. They freezing Roddy White out because whatever reason they don't want to give a new contract or whatever. When they throw Riley White the ball, he gets the ball like he always did, but he's not getting any targets. And that's part of Shanahan's offense that he's running or whatever the case is, and I don't know what the deal is with that. 
but Roddy White has not lost not one step. Okay. All right, let's see. Minnesota 6-2 and two at the 4-4 four and four Oakland Raiders. The Raiders are minus three. And you got a battle on your hand uh, this this weekend, right? I mean, Bridgewater looks like he's going to play. Adrian Peterson's been feeling it. Y'all got enough defense to um, slow Adrian Peterson down? Uh, yeah, I believe so. You know, it, it's, uh, it should be a good contest, but at the same time, I think that we have enough to, uh, to win the game. You know, Bridgewater... Is is a good young quarterback, but he ain't Derek Carr. And you know, I think that we rolling. I think we playing good balls, and I think we gonna we we gonna be at home, so we should we should win the game. And Bridgewater, did did Bridgewater wake up yet? Yeah, we see the guy go to sleep on the football field in a long time. Steve Young. I remember Steve Young. Steve Young took a dirt nap out there. Yeah, Bridgewater was sleeping, boy. That boy was that. They were singing lullabies. That motherfucker when he got popped. Yeah, he thought he was still living in the hood five years ago. Just looking out of the window. <laughs> you can <laughs> boy. <laughs> yeah. Pop go to weasel. Pop goes to weasel because the weasel go pop. But uh, that's going to be a good game, though, man. I'm going to be interested in that one. Um, it's a 4 o'clock start, so it's an afternoon game. I, I look back to look forward to kicking back and watching that one. Uh, yeah. Kansas City, 3-5 and five at the 7-1 and one Broncos. I mean, on a good day, you think Kansas City should be good enough to, to kind of trap the Broncos in this one. But uh, the Broncos are minus six, and I think they're going to handle business. Anybody think Kansas City can come, go in there and win? No. Yep. To leave, yeah, I do. I mean, uh, Kansas City had the first game won. They just threw it away in the end. And, you know, they were at Jamal Charles. But Jamal Charles is the one that calls in the game. This other boy he got in there west or whatever, he's a good running back. So I believe they can come in and do it because, like I say, teams refuse to do what they need to do. Man, they come yeah. out, yeah, I understand he wants to get the record and all that, but you let him get the record in garbage time. He's not good enough to be a starter right now. Yeah, he'll put up numbers every once in a while, but, you know, Denarius Thomas and them should – you know, have 1,600 yards when the year is over. They're not going to have that because you're not getting them the ball like you're supposed to. Ain't nobody going to say it because it's many. Then, then you, what I tell you, Indianapolis was going to upstage them, and they upstaged the ass too because you think about it. This kid came in and replaced you. This is your house and will forever be your house. You hold the records. You can set the biggest record of your career where you started your career, and you come up with three yards short, and you lose the fucking game. You undefeated. Classic Peyton Manning. <laughs> it always in the big games. I mean, how many times we've been seeing this? We've been seeing this shit since Tennessee. And the, I mean, these folks, you know, be riding damn Payne Manning dick like he's the number one quarterback they ever played. 
and this son bitch lose every fucking big game there is. So, I mean, I'm tired of the, the Peyton Manning show. I mean, he's not getting the ball. He's he playing hurt. He's a bitch. All right, let me ask you all this. Everyone says that Peyton Manning is the greatest regular season quarterback of all time, right? How come no one ever says that I uh, give any credit to Tom Brady? Yeah, I mean, everyone thinks of Tom Brady in the postseason, but, I mean, he's been great in the regular season. Tom Brady is now become like baseball's cheaters. So therefore he has the astrophics. Yeah. It's what he's always gonna have. From here on out. No matter what he does, but he can fuck himself. So no. But but we we all know that as good as Manning uh, Bree has been the last few years in the regular season, he has not been as prolific as Manning has been during the regular season. That's why they say that. Now if you talk about an all around quarterback, right now you have to give it to Brady as being the greatest of all time because of everything he's done. To me, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest I have ever seen. Ooh, so, ugly. When you factor ugly. all that in. Ugly, because ugly. You think about it, not the greatest. Do you who, not who, remember Joe Montana? Montana, Montana. You put Montana in the league now, he couldn't even start. Man, come on, dog. We ain't talking about in the league now. It, look, people were great in their time. It's just we yeah, get old. Just he like, had, he had Jerry Rice. He man, had Jerry Rice. Listen to me. Listen to me. Yeah. Joe yeah, Montana. Montana. Montana yeah. is the best ever. Hold on, we comparing Montana to who? No. Nobody. Nobody has touched like that. Joe Montana could put that ball in there. He always threw the ball and got the ball to you in stride. You didn't have yes. to adjust the football. He, you just all you had to do is put your hand up I, and that shit just landed. And there's no, no other quarterback. No other quarterback. Joe Montana is a better quarterback than I, John Brady. Oh yeah, most definitely. I yeah, don't. I don't, uh, I, I don't like Joe Montana first of all, and I always used to say that you know Joe Montana. If I had to start a franchise, I used to always say that Joe Montana would be one of the quarterbacks I consider. Probably Elway, but I like, you know, Joe Montana as what he's done as a quarterback. But I got to be honest with you. Being that I can barely name any of the Patriots that have played beside Tom Brady, man, it's hard to say that Joe Montana is better than Tom Brady. You look at what Brady's done. That, that's, what, that, that's what I'm talking about. Now, I mean, I Tom Brady's played these guys it's, it's, that, Sure, if you right. pull up their career numbers for a percentage goals, touchdowns, interceptions, all that, you tell me what Joe better at. And he had the greatest wide receiver all time. I don't think we can dispute that. And tell I me where he better now, at. I ain't talking about give, your memories. What I give Joe credit for, I mean, as far as his accomplishments, I mean, he never lost the Super Bowl. He never he never threw an interception in the Super Bowl, which is stupid. Um, but I mean, as far as looking at numbers, 
Uh, he had a 63.2 completion percentage. Tom Brady, 63.7. Um, Tom Brady has a 5.5 TD percentage. Uh, Joe Montana, 5.1. Joe Montana, 2.6 interception percentage. Tom Brady, 1.9. I mean, they're pretty comparable, but... I mean, like I said, Tom Brady, aside from... Yeah, but damn, man, you got Jerry Rice either. Aside, aside, aside from Randy Moss, he's just he, he's not really just had some bona fide stud throughout his career. I mean, like I said, this dude played with Troy Brown. Not happy NFL now. We live in the yeah. past NFL. It's so much if Joe Montana was in his prime now, he would be doing the same shit or better than Tom Brady is doing right now. I don't care what you say. You said you show me a guy his size doing what he did. Show me a guy his size doing what he did. Now, what's Joe Montana's size? Joe Montana is uh, six foot two, two hundred pounds. Yeah. Yeah, you show me another quarterback, six foot two, two hundred pounds, that dominating the league. I mean, Tom Rodgers is only six foot three, and he's dominating. Just yeah. throw that out. How big? How big is Aaron Rodgers? He's pretty big. He's bigger than two hundred pounds. But Tom Brady, for his career, he's over two hundred pounds. He's he's thrown he, an average of six more passes per game. Um, than Joe Montana, um, so it's not a huge difference. I mean, yes, well, it, six per game is a lot you of. Gotta look, but when you're throwing career, the ball, but, you got to ask yourself, why doesn't he have more interceptions? Why is his completion percentage better? Why does he have way more touchdowns? Sometimes, Sometimes you don't get nothing. Numbers do lie, and I'll put it like this: in my mind. Joe Montana is the best, and and I don't like Joe Montana yeah. either. But Joe Montana is the best, and I look at it like this. It's like this. To me, Tom Brady just caught Terry Bradshaw, and I'm going to tell you why. You know why. Let's Terry not even Bradshaw. go further. Let's Terry go no further. Than, now, wait a minute. Yeah, Terry Bradshaw was no quarterback. Wait a minute. Okay. He hitting four Super Bowls. Really? Yeah, I don't give a shit what he won. He had that, that steel curtain defense, and he had good wide receivers. So now, you can put him in the whole thing from the run for the receivers. He had to throw the ball to the receivers. Why does everybody always say, because he had this, but he had to play the game, dog. He had yeah. to put the ball in the right place. Yeah. His receivers were good. Look, look at his career numbers. He sucked as a quarterback. He I'm won four like Super this. Bowls. If he sucked, he wouldn't have won four Super Bowls. Four wins, baby. Uh, let's, let's get back to Montana. Let's get back to Montana and Brady for a second now. Now, where I where I will say that I think that Montana has fared better has been in the postseason. Um, in the postseason, he's he's just fared. Uh, I mean, now the stats are pretty comparable. 62.7 completion percentage for Montana, 62.9 for Brady. The difference is is, in, is really in the touchdown percentage. Brady is 4.9, Montana is 6.1. Uh, 
his touchdown percentage is really high. And the interception percentage. So how is many of them caught touchdowns Jerry Rice caught? He probably caught almost all of them. He had to throw it to him, didn't he? But, um, Man, listen. When we talk about all time, not, no disrespect to anybody for what you did. Because you can only play in the area that you played in. But this is what I'm saying. What, what about the whole overall, when you say the greatest of all time, that means in any era, who's right. the best? And no. And we want to talk about coaching and all that. Some people say Walsh was the greatest coach ever offensively. So when you factor all that stuff in, it ain't no way he's better than Brady. No way. He don't have the size. He didn't have the strength. He didn't have nothing. He did what he did on the field. We got to respect that. But he ain't the best of all time. Ain't no way. Like I said, I I have a hard time of, of putting Montana ahead of Brady simply because Brady's done so much on his own. I That's mean, like what I'm his, his receivers, you think of his receivers change out almost every year. And I couldn't tell you three about. people on his offensive line either. I couldn't tell you but three people on his offensive line. Y'all are going off for just because he had Jerry Rice. Jerry no, Rice is the good team. I'm not there I'm was not, tight end. There was a good tight end and Clark. There was another right. good receiver. You know what I'm saying? That Taylor, Montana yeah. doesn't deserve the, the, the accolades that he gets. But the bottom line is, is you have to look at it like this. Um, you have to look at it like this. Which one gives you a more favorable position to win? You know, having Roger Craig in the backfield, Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Dwight Clark, or whatever, right. or having, having Troy Brown, uh, Danny Amendola, uh, I don't even know half these folks. You can pick them. I'm going to shut it down. Next. I'm going to shut it down here. Montana has what Michael Jordan had. And so is Brady. But Montana had no. a little more. Hell yeah. no. When it was time to play, Montana never – look at the Super Bowls. I don't think but one of them was close. Yeah. But, but how many Hall of Famers did he play with? How I many has Brady played with? For real? He ain't played with a million. You know what? Hey, you know. Brady. Hey, you know. I bet I will find him. Hey, Brady. Brady is going to go down as as playing with. Um, I mean, Willie McGinnis might get in. Um, no, Willie McGinnis ain't getting in. Adam Vinatieri is going to get in. Yeah, Adam Vinatieri get in. But I mean, I mean, those are only two. Willie McGinnis did a three Pro Bowls. He's not getting that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about, what about uh, Damian Woody on the offensive line? I think he's a Hall of Famer. He no, he don't know. What about Vince Woody? He don't know. On the yeah, well, yeah, he, he, he has a chance to make it. But what is that? Uh, what Damian Woody did? Damian Woody he did it as much as me. <laughs> How many Pro Bowls he been to? Seriously, two. Damian Damian Woody. Yeah, McGinnis still get in. Heck, as I know, let me see. He's been to three Pro Bowls. He ain't getting in. It's also Damn. influence. Teddy Bruce can yeah. probably get in. 
I don't think he deserves it. He shouldn't get in, but he will. Damian Woody has one Pro Bowl. One Pro Bowl. That's what I'm talking about. Next. Okay, yeah, he's not getting in. That's what I'm saying. All all that struggle on how many go for it now that you can name all day long. Go ahead. Well, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. Wait a minute. Who? Jerry Rice, and then who? Jerry, Jerry Rice. Is is Dallas, is the White Clark in there? Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott, and then who? Ronnie Lott. We done, I done named more already than what they named for the <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Tom Brady has two. I just had to look it up. I'm positive. Okay. But here's, here's the deal. Where do you go? Roger Craig, where do you go? Roger Craig should have been in. Um, to me, as a, fullback, as a fullback, Tom Raffman should have been in. Uh, Jerry Rice, had John Taylor. Uh, nope. Let's see. That's all I can think of on mm-hmm. offense. I don't know who was on the offensive line. I'm pretty Morton. sure they got all the famous on the offensive line. They do have one Slaff. I think Slaff played for him at one point, but that's somebody that's gone around in the league, not somebody that was there for those many th- times. I don't know if it's Slaff. I'm not sure. It may have been Slaff. I'm, I'm not. Charles, sure. Charles Hill is in there. Yeah. Haley yeah. played for Dallas, though. You I mean you know what I'm saying? And yeah, he played he for them. in there for being on Odell Cowboys, bro. Come on. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Haley, Haley, you named the two. You named the two. Hey, how many of the names already? You keep saying, how many of the names already? I was just trying to name folks on offense. I really wasn't even trying to go to defense. There's only Uh, about two. Because there's nobody else. He did the same thing. Because they did the dink and dunk, the short passes. He did the same thing. Hey, he had a good receiver. And the thing is, when Montana got his ass off the Cowboys, he took he took his tail down in Kansas City. Yeah, he took him to the playoffs and done his match, but he didn't do what he was supposed to have done. He took the tail. Brady, what, 38, 39, 37? He's still going strong. It's a new era. Medicine's different. Training's different. The stuff that they use is yeah. different. They hey, man, different I, 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 bro, I, I don't care what makes him better. He's better. Everybody's talking about sneakers and training and medicine and all this and that. Yeah, we talking about who is better. <laughs> we talking about who, who is better. Who, I don't care. We know he's a cheater, so probably has enhancers. <laughs> Trust me. Hey, hey. <laughs> But at the, at the end, of the, end of the day, nobody's going to be talking about that. Because we're yeah, boys are. now. They, they, they 7-0. He's and folks are talking about football. Do, do I believe he just plays some footballs? I believe it. But it ain't enough to change the game. I've been said that. You know, he's you wouldn't be in that fight like yeah. that. ain't got nothing to do with footballs. He's a liar and a cheater. No respect for him. Yeah. He's a liar yeah, and a cheater. We, if you did it, I just agree. mess up. I agree with man. That. He is Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire of NFL, the first of his kind. Hey, Barry Bonds ain't never did nothing. They ain't never been convicted of doing nothing. 
Barry Bonds, the greatest hitter of all time. Period. Hey, but even even Jerry Rice admitted to using stickum, so I think everybody tried to get an advantage of it now and then. But uh, but they got oh, caught. This is a lot. Talk, this is a lot of fun, but I got I got I got to roll with Ray on this one. I I can't put Joe Montana over Tom Brady at this point. I I, I probably would have argued that maybe seven or eight years ago. I would have argued you, but I can't do it at this hey. point. I'll put you this way. He lost. Tom Brady lost a couple of Super Bowls, and I'm gonna leave it at that. So I hey, know, but no, but but know what it is. Hey, hey, Q, we sober, and he drinking and smoking. No, <laughs> I ain't drinking or smoking tonight. I'm good. I like that one. I like, but you telling the truth. Tell it, Ray. Tell it. <laughs> he drinking and smoking. I mean, but um, yeah, he did lose to the Eli, and I believe he's gonna. I believe they're going to put it on the Giants this weekend. A lot of folks say, oh, the Giants got the Patriots number, Tom Coughlin, blah, blah, blah. I think New England's going to drop 40 on the Giants this weekend. Hey, when we look at the Super Bowls that was lost by New England, Tom Brady put the ball right there was supposed to be where one of them dropped the ball. You know what I'm saying? So technically that was his fault. Everybody wants to know this and all that. Peyton Manning, I mean, Eli threw one of the greatest passes in Super Bowl history to win the game. One was the Manningham, and the other was the David Ty, Tyree, or Kyrie, however you say it. Yeah. Out of this world, 50 years from now, they'll be talking about them plays. That's how we got whooped. I mean, because when you think about it, and, all again, this kind of stuff. and again, I, I got I to roll with Ray on this one, too. I mean, now, don't get me wrong. The Giants made the plays, but um, – Wes Welker dropping that pass, and then in that other Super Bowl, who was that to drop that interception that would have ended the game? Um, somebody that was pretty uh, good. Uh, Sante Samuel. Yeah, Sante Samuel. Sante Samuel. Dropped the game with an interception oh, and hit him on both ends. And I mean, yeah. so I, I I can't put either on on Tom Brady on that one. That's but I'm wins See, win. I, I got to give you like and tell the truth. I got to give Eli's props, but he did win. He made they made some crazy yeah. plays because that pass to Manningham. Yeah, he made he made the play. That one on that pass to Manningham was sick. So you know, now going to this what zone coverage all about. All right, so um, let's see. Oh, Arizona six and two, and Seattle four and four, y'all. Uh, Seattle's minus three. This is an important game, probably more so for Seattle to try to stay in the mix. But, I mean, if you're Arizona, don't you want to assume dominance of the NFC West and put your foot on Seattle's neck and get rid of them at this point? I mean, who do y'all think yeah. actually is going to win this game on Sunday? I think Seattle going to win it. In the grand scheme of things, all them boys on Arizona ain't never done nothing. Now, this Gerald has, of course, the Palmer ain't done nothing, and Chris Johnson ain't done nothing. I like Chris Johnson. I like Carson Palmer. But they ain't done nothing in the grand scheme of things where they, you know, playoff wins, anything big like that. So until they do that, that's like picking Cincinnati. Yeah, Andy Dalton throwing his ass off now. But we're going to see what's going to happen when the playoffs come. All right. Well, it looks like we're about to get cut off. Um, 
So before we do, I'm gonna try to do a who am I? Put y'all on the clock. All right. Okay. Put y'all on the clock. If I can find one really quick, it might get cut off. Before